and welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I am a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. Oh yes, I'm glad you are here. And not somewhere else, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome all of you, even the new listeners out there. We do have some new blood. Boys and girls, be on your best behavior tonight. And we are live and direct right now on YouTube and, of course, later heard around the world. Joining me tonight on this very, very special edition of End of Days, the Michael Deacon program, is Norio Hayakawa. Norio has spent 10 years investigating Area 51 in Nevada. He says that there is much more to Area 51 than just superficial facts made public about this well-known base. After more than 45 years of researching the UFO phenomenon, he says that a conditioning of belief systems have been orchestrated since 1947. Very, very interesting. And of course, on the second half, we do have more new blood. Stay tuned for that. Now, without further ado, let's bring in Norio. Let's not waste any more time here tonight. Let's get right into things. And I believe Norio is here. Norio, what's going on? Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you perfect. Oh, okay. You, can you hear the music and all that nonsense, by the way? No. Oh, okay. I didn't want to bother you with that. Good, good. Really good. So, Norio, welcome back to the program. You are a veteran here, but of course, there are some newer listeners out there. I thought right now we could just sort of go through your early roots really quickly before we jump right into the meat and potatoes here tonight. Yes, Michael. Uh, it's a great pleasure for me to be on your program. And, uh, well, by the way, by way of introduction, I've been involved with the research on the so-called UFO phenomenon for many, many years, since uh, 1961, to be accurate. And uh, I was a tremendous believer in the extraterrestrial uh, hypothesis of the origin of this phenomenon. But uh, since the late 1970s, I started devouring books by John A. Keel and uh, Dr. Jacques, uh, Jacques Vallée. And uh, so from the late 70s, uh, I have a different viewpoint on this whole strange phenomenon, the UFO phenomenon. And I've been just uh, actively, uh, I have been actively involved in many organizations for many, many years. But uh, it was in around 1988 that I became interested in a place called Area 51 in Nevada, uh, when I received some packets from William L. Moore uh, in 1988, in which he told me that there was an interesting facility in Nevada called Area 51, and he showed me some uh, uh, Russian satellite photos. So, you know, uh, I've been investigating Area 51 for many, many years, in right. fact, since 1988. So, but uh, that's just part of my whole picture of my ufological uh, studies. Yes, and of course, the last time you were here, Norio, we sort of went over Area 51 and the alleged secret base in Dulce, New Mexico, as well as cattle mutilations. And I thought we could sort of go through all of that in a moment here. But of course, yet again, I do want to welcome you back to the program. Always an honor and pleasure to speak to you here. And what I like about you, Norio, is that you are a realist. 
You're not someone who wants to pander to any specific agenda. You are quite genuine with the things you talk about, Norio. No question about it, because uh, I consider myself a realist. Uh, in other words, I always put my two feet uh, on the ground when I talk about all of this uh, fascinating subjects. And, uh, you know, even talking about Area 51 and uh, the alleged uh, base in Dulce, New Mexico, you know, I have to really be a realist. And uh, recently, uh, I was very, very, uh, you know, uh, surprised at the ludicrous nature of the recent uh, fiasco called Storm Area 51. Oh, boy. And that was a big fiasco, fiasco uh, as far as I'm was concerned, <laughs> and it was a total uh, disgrace, I believe, in the uh, whole uh, uh, connection of Area 51, uh, you know, uh, as a serious research subject. But uh, I'm glad it ended up in a fiasco in one way, because it brought out some of the American people's fascination about the cultic nature of this topic. In other words, uh, this Storm Area 51 began as a, a joke or rather uh, a series of memes. But uh, to me, the memes are part of culture and cultural beliefs. So uh, what this event, uh, terrible, wasteful event called Storm Area 51, was basically an expression of uh, such a cult. I called these memes some kind of a cult, and uh, I believe it's a cult of the alien, uh, to be exact. And it's not necessarily a belief about aliens, but it's a cult surrounding the uh, beliefs of uh, aliens. Yes, that was um, rather unusual to see, but also it did create quite a buzz. Lots of people were very excited. Lots of people actually thought they were going to break into the facility there, which is just uh, tremendous to think that that would even happen, uh, Norio. But uh, you know how people are. They're quite silly and gullible. That's right. And, uh, you know, this kind of uh, craziness has been influenced by a lot of people who have been peddling about the, uh, you know, about Area 51. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, Area 51, I believe is a very important American uh, installation uh, that uh, keeps up with the latest uh, information and technology uh, that rel that's relative to our defense interests. So I believe in Area 51. I believe its importance. Uh, we support Area 51 as a vital, uh, you know, military uh, research development and testing location. But uh, other than that, all these things about alien technology and all these things have been, unfortunately, being promoted by a lot of people that try to, uh, you know, promote their uh, nonsense. And unfortunately, people like uh, Bob Lazar and, you know, uh, George Knapp. Now, I, I like George Knapp as a newscaster, sure. but uh, he has made a secondary career 
promoting uh, Bob Lazar. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I like George Neff as a, a newscaster, but as I said, he has made a lot of uh, fame. Uh, he's only known for uh, bringing Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. Yeah. Yeah. And I call him, uh, I like to call him a debonair raconteur, <laughs> which was uh, a favorite expression used by Mark Jacobson, who wrote a book recently about uh, uh, Bill Cooper. Correct. But anyway, yes. uh, uh, the, you know, that uh, expression debonair raconteur is, is, is very interesting because it really means a dashing personality, skilled storyteller. That's a debonair raconteur, and George Knapp fits perfectly. Yeah, you're right about that, Noro, because a lot of people view him as some sort of authority. And since he jumped on this case uh, for, for such a long time, since the 90s, he's been the right-hand man of one Bob Lazar. George Knapp has been pushing that for such a long time. And many people just believe the story completely just because Bob Lazar co-signs on that. Exactly. And this is what's happening in uh, today's ufologies, that so many people are sidetracked by such, uh, uh, you know, topic. And, uh, you know, this is very interesting because uh, recently a book was published just uh, last week. I think it's called Dreamland, Dreamland, an autobiography written by Bob Lazar himself and uh, the foreword to this book was written none other than George Knapp, who made a career out of uh, peddling uh, Bob Lazar's story. Amazing. And, you know, this is a fascinating book, but uh, there's nothing new in this book. It's the same old, same old, unsubstantiated story. Uh, it's good as a story, but uh, there's no substantiation of... Uh, the veracity of uh, the claims made in this book. So that's what I'm, I, I, uh, I wanted to uh, point out. Yes. That nothing has changed. Nothing has changed since uh, Bob Lazar came out to this world uh, telling about the facility uh, back in uh, 1989. That's when he started this. But uh, uh, from the onset, George Knapp has been the right side man, right side uh, in a person and always promoted and still continues to promote, even today, uh, the Bob Lazar story. Now, Bob Lazar, I have nothing against him, but, uh, uh, you know, he can say anything he wants to, but uh, sure. the bottom line is it's unsubstantiated. <laughs> a lot of things he says are unsubstantiated. And, Many. Uh, that, that, that's why I, I, uh, I like to keep all this in the sidelines. And Norio, yeah, you're right, but a lot of people should be more outspoken about this and be more curious about what's been going on, especially in the alleged UFO community. But before we jump right back into the juicy stuff, I did want to ask you, how are you and, and what's been going on, on uh, out there with you over in the land of the enchanted? Yes, uh, as you said, uh, yes, I live in the land of enchantment, the great state of New Mexico, right? Uh, which is uh, the fifth largest state in the Union with a population of only two million in the entire state. And the state that has the one of the most advanced technological uh, research 
being conducted at White Sands Missile Range and Kirtland Air Force Base and and so on. And, uh, you know, I, I live in this state with the, probably the most advanced military technologies, and uh, uh, this is a humongous state, so it's a very convenient state for the U.S. government to test a lot of things, like the, the latest in the directed energy weapon systems. Right. And, of course, um, sorry to be quiet there, but my microphone was making all sorts of noise. I hope you didn't hear that. I didn't hear anything. Okay, good. There was all sorts of uh, popping going on back here. So if anyone heard that, that was the sound of me uh, hitting my microphone with my hand very hard. Just thought <laughs> I'd clear that up with you there. Uh, just in nope. case anyone caught that. But great. I'm glad no one heard that. So excellent, excellent. And also, the last time I checked up what's going on in New Mexico, the legalization of marijuana was also being seriously considered. Uh, 33 states have legalized it for medical use. And uh, 11 others have legalized it for recreational use. What exactly is your stance on that, Norio? I know that's a bit of a uh, out of left field there, but I'm now I'm curious. Well, uh, the medical marijuana uh, situation is a very uh, realistic one. It's uh, it's uh, it's right now it's uh, it's legal. The medical marijuana has been legal in New Mexico uh, for quite some time, and uh, so. Uh, they haven't still passed any uh, legislation for uh, the other type of leisurely use of marijuana. That has not been taken up yet. But as far as medical marijuana issue, it is a real issue here, and it's accepted. Right on. And, of course, not to... Um not to forget to mention this one here, I'd be remiss, but there is also some weird disappearance of a woman as well who stepped outside of her house. I know you vaguely went over that story, right? Oh, yes. Uh, this, as far as I'm concerned, uh, this has not been solved yet because the one of the TV, uh, local TV stations, news stations, uh, did a story about the sudden disappearance of a lady from her home in northeast Albuquerque. And uh, when the story uh, broke on the local channel news, it was already three days that uh, this woman was missing. And what happened was that uh, this lady just walked out the door with no belongings, no, carrying nothing. Uh, and and uh, you, you can see actually the uh, uh, security, uh, the uh, camera footage of this lady walking out the door. And uh, so this became a very, very uh, noticeable news here in Albuquerque. And uh, so far, uh, nobody has seen this lady. And so it's a fascinating thing. Maybe she got abducted. Well, never know. Possible physically, she could have been abducted, uh, you know, by humans, by man or <laughs> ET. <You> never know. <laughs> yes, but anyway, I think I'm still trying to, uh, you know, I like to keep updated with yeah. many developments. Yeah, it's pretty wild stuff. Lots of um. The husband is really asking mm -hmm. for public's help. Yeah, that's terrible. Anytime someone goes missing. At some pretty dark times, and we will be getting into some dark matters as of right now. And there was another thing I did want to get into in terms of To the Stars Academy. And I know you've talked about this as well. They were making a big fuss out of one of the most recent findings they had in terms of these exotic 
uh, materials they had, and they acquired them from, I believe it was Art Bell. Yes, I, I believe that's one of the stories. Uh, there are several stories that have to do with the To the Stars Academy and the alleged uh, uh, discovery or handling of uh, some uh, weird materials. But uh, see, uh, all this, these things that the To the Stars Academy uh, takes up are actually based on uh, not uh, any tangible evidence, but it's just, uh, I would say it's, it's, it's uh, almost uh, meaningless because uh, it's not really uh, reality as far as I'm concerned. Even the idea about the, uh, you know, uh, To the Stars Academy, uh, which is owned by Tom DeLong, and uh, this organization seems to be interested in propagating uh, unsubstantiated uh, information regarding uh, things like the, uh, uh, you know, the U.S. Navy's uh, recent, uh, uh, you know, topic involving uh, the Tic Tac UFOs and David Fravor and all these, uh, this kind of thing. So, uh, you know, until any something tangible comes up, everything is simply speculation. And this is the reason why I am so glad that the United States Navy itself has corrected a lot of things. For example, it has recently corrected the terminology. Instead of saying UFOs, the United States Navy has recently come up with a better description of this phenomenon. In other words, they like to use the word UAP or unidentified aerial phenomenon right. rather than UFO. So this is very important because when one uh, talks about UFOs, one immediate, immediately connects this terminology with the extraterrestrial flying objects, which is not really proven even by the Navy standards, because the Navy like to use the word UAP. And I agree 100% with the Navy's use of UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, rather than UFO. Right. And by the way, Norio, in the chat room right now, I do have the photograph that you put up on your personal Facebook page and I think even your blog press website. I'm not quite sure, but it's the photograph of how this piece of material came into the hands of To The Stars Academy. Yes, the metamaterials, as they call them. We'll just have to wait and see until something solid and tangible comes up. That's what I, I always say. Uh, because as far as I'm concerned, we have not yet had any concrete, credible and documentary proof whatsoever that we have ever been visited by physical, extraterrestrial, uh, biological entities coming over to our planet in any kind of physical, extraterrestrial spacecraft of any kind. Uh, this is the bottom line. But yet, the phenomenon itself seems to be real, as I've been telling people for many years. I firmly believe in the existence of UFO phenomena, or better yet, unidentified aerial phenomena, 
But this word, the UFOs, is misleading because we're still not sure if we're talking about uh, flying objects. We're not even sure they are solid objects, and we're not even sure about the word flying. Just like Dr. Jacques Vallée had mentioned years ago, and I firmly believe in in Dr. Jacques Vallée's uh, uh, evaluation or the uh, thinking, uh, because he said that UFOs may not necessarily be objects, nor could they be flying in the sense of uh, the word flying as we know it. Yes, and for the record, just for those out there who are new in attendance, you definitely do believe in, obviously, UFOs and extraterrestrials, correct? That's right, but this all depends on the definition of uh, what is extraterrestrial, uh, because anything that is beyond our Earth is extraterrestrial, and that includes uh possible uh, uh, extra-dimensional phenomenon. Yes, and to be perfectly honest with everyone out there, uh, I certainly do want to believe. That's why I want to hit this music right here. I do want to believe, Norio. But of course, all these stories outweigh uh, the evidence, unfortunately. That's right. Uh, We can talk and talk and talk about uh, mysterious items, and there are mysterious phenomenon in this uh, on this earth no absolutely, question about yeah, absolutely. it absolutely mean, world is filled with mis- mysteries and uh, uh, anybody that says that there's nothing strange about anything about this world is just uh, out of their mind because uh, we're limited in our knowledge and uh, we must accept that there are some unexplainable things uh, in this world and in our existence so but yet, to come to a definitive conclusion that uh, we're talking about actual physical extraterrestrial visitation to our Earth, that is uh, really uh, not realistic as far as I'm concerned. Not at all. Not at all. The rise of ufology, again, seems to repeat itself. We had that back in the early day, and now we have that today in uh, 2019, almost 2020. And it seems like for the last 10 years, Norio, I'm not sure if you would agree with me or not, but it seems like the History Channel and the show Ancient Aliens, they've been a big part of that, gaining that sort of popularity in the field of ufology, bringing it to the masses. It's kept it alive. You said it right on the spot. You know, you, you said it right, because programs like Ancient Aliens have actually uh, brainwashed uh, a lot of people. Uh, you know who's you know, you know who's course, behind that, right? Though Norio, that that company. I am not familiar. Well, I was just well, I'll, I'll just leave it at this. Lots of them are Scientologists. It's very possible. It's very possible. Lots of them are actually because programs like Ancient Aliens and uh, all the related uh, UFO programs, as uh, handled by the History Channel, is really to to uh, unidirectionally brainwash the population into accepting certain beliefs, beliefs in physical aliens. And I'm very, very uh, 
Of course, a lot of people take the History Channel with a grain of salt, which should, which we should, you know, like programs like Ancient Aliens and so on, uh, because the, it's not based on uh, facts, but it's based on uh, simply by on speculation mostly. And this is the danger that we see, that I see in contemporary uh, ufology, because the contemporary ufology is only leaning to one direction, that is propagation of belief in physical aliens visiting us in the physical spacecraft. Uh, there, there's absolutely, uh, there's no proof of, of this. And just like uh, Dr. Jacques Vallée and uh, people like John A. Keel had said many years ago, that this is a deceptive type of a uh, uh, of a situation, a deceptive propagation of such beliefs to affect our possibly our society in general for some strange reason or other or some kind of a future event. And I think we can both agree, Norio, that throughout history, man has witnessed these strange anomalies in the sky, and they've struggled to uh, explain exactly what those objects in the sky were. You can go back to early century artwork, and of course, even going back to the Bible. And see, this is where it makes in uh, together here, and we'll bring it full circle. Of course, you have uh, Ezekiel's wheel. Lots of people think that was a UFO of sorts. And then, of course, you have Eric Von Daniken, who mixes the sort of ancient astronaut theory and religion. And that's where you have these cults that you're referring to, correct? Exactly. That's what I'm uh, referring to. Yes. Because, uh, you know, th this phenomenon, as Dr. Jacques Vallée has stated, seemed to have existed since time immemorial. Since time immemorial, people have seen strange things in the sky. And uh, but uh, the interesting thing is that this phenomenon seemed to adapt itself to the technology, technology or the understanding of technological, uh, you know, knowledge of the that epoch of whatever epoch these uh, things have appeared. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, people have seen uh, flying shields uh, type of uh, objects, uh, yeah. you know, uh, during the Middle Ages, and uh, but then. Uh, in the modern day times, you know, people have seen uh, uh, the uh, dirigibles uh, in the 1800s uh, that appeared to look like, uh, you know, uh, like a ship, airships. And then, uh, of course, uh, you know, in modern day times, uh, the, the uh, phenomenon have appeared to be like uh, aer more aerodynamic uh, shapes, like the uh, uh, saucer shapes, uh, you know, especially after World War II. And then, of course, in the 1980s, uh, this phenomenon had seemed to have appeared many times taking the form of a humongous triangular uh, aircraft that's uh, like a mile wide or, you know, a humongous. And uh, so it seems to me that this phenomenon uh, seemed to adapt or to impress the people of any epoch that corresponds with the technological understanding of each era. Yes, I agree with you full heartedly on that one. And of course, Nori, I do want to mention again, I've always enjoyed our discussions here. I like that you are a straight shooter and you are down to earth, Norio. You're not like one of the many people that I would find walking around at one of the many UFO conferences who are just a little bit out of their minds. Yes, because... Uh... 
You know, basically, <laughs> the UFO conferences and all these things are basically for entertainment. Right. And, uh, you know, there are people who make careers out of, uh, uh, you know, giving lectures, uh, you know, all the time and going, joining the UFO lecture circuits and all that. They're making a career out of it. And, uh, you know, uh, once you start doing that, you can't stop it. <laughs> and this is the reason why I'm telling people that we have to watch out for uh, imposters and uh, fraudsters and hoaxsters. And there are many in this uh, strange field. Uh, and some of these hoaxsters are really dangerous in the sense that they can affect a person. They can brainwash a person. One good example of this happened right here in New Mexico in 1980, in which... Uh, a known uh, fraudster, uh, Richard C. Doby, who did work for the uh, Air Force Office of uh, Special Investigations here at the Kirtland Air Force Base, he uh, he got together with another uh, self-claimed disinformant, uh, William Moore, in 1980. In 1980, William Moore came to uh, New Mexico to uh, Kirtland Air Force Base and uh, started another project together with Richard C. Doty, and that project was to defuse the MJ-12 uh, story. Right. It was uh, Richard C. Doty who uh, was the main uh, originator of the uh, uh, MJ-2 uh, documents, along with uh, William Moore. And in 1980... When William Moore came to New Mexico, uh, it was around the time that uh, of his publication of his book called uh, Incident at Roswell. This book that came out in 1980 actually brought out to the public uh, the Roswell story. And, uh, you know, when he wrote that book, the very same year he came to uh, Kirtland Air Force Base and got together with Richard C. Doty to go uh, over another uh, project, and which I just told you was the project about uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, uh, Dulce story and MJ to uh, MJ twelve stories. Uh, these are really. There's nothing to these stories except they are just uh, stories. Yeah, it, it's just stories. And to be honest with you, Norio, I like a good story. I'm guilty of that. I have this show here and I hear so many different stories all the time and I love them. Uh, but of course, there's many times where I don't necessarily believe that guest or, and what they're saying. Yes, I know. Uh, because, you know, these stories are interesting. And in fact, it's entertaining. Sure. So a lot of people go for it, and but uh, we have to be very careful. And careful researchers don't get involved in uh, a propagation of such uh, uh, nonsense. Well, those are know, those are real it. those are real carnies at these conferences, by the way. Exactly, <laughs> and uh, you know, people that uh, go to these conferences or speak in these conferences constantly are. Uh, doing that, uh, I believe some of them knowingly, uh, knowing that they are not real. Oh, they of have course. to do it. Yeah. They have to do it. 
And uh, of course, it's not a big money. You know, you don't make any money by becoming a ufologist, uh, unless the only way to do is to constantly go to these uh, talk circuit uh, conference. Yes, conferences, and there are even some cruises. Uh, that uh, oh the cruises yes yes the cruises with the uh, uh, the stars of ufology you know, <laughs> have you have you ever gone on a cruise Norio several thousand dollars <laughs> go to these cruises on the ship and all you get is the same old nonsense presented by these uh, charlatans uh, of ufology and so uh, I try to stay away uh, from uh, those uh, uh, conferences and I have no intention of. Uh, joining the uh, this circus i call it the circus uh you know of a ufology that's no, what i right. call it. yeah i like that no you're right though there's nothing about these these talk circuit conferences for the ufology crowd there's nothing scientific rather about these conferences and i'll even add furthermore to this if if you can't demonstrate or prove something then why would you even believe these things? Why would you even try to validate these claims if you can't prove or demonstrate something? That's right. And uh, the biggest uh, complaint I have against those participants in this kind of ufological circus and lecture circuits is that it seems to be that they are only pushing the physical alien uh, presence idea and not uh, other ideas. The Almost 90% of those who talk about UFOs are only presenting, uh, 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 you know, a unidirectional interpretation of the origin of UFO phenomena. Then they always promote the uh, alien, physical aliens and physical uh, UFOs and, and, you know, and they are limited to that interpre interpretation. And... Those who promote the possible extra-dimensional origins of these phenomena are not that popular. And you're right about that. They're not that and popular. Is, yeah, and this is the reason why uh, people like Dr. Jacques Vallée, who I consider to be one of the top researchers in the world, people like Dr. Jacques Vallée, uh, Dr. Jacques Vallée do not really appear that much uh, in this kind of uh, ufological circus, which I call uh, because, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Jack Belay says uh, that uh, the extraterrestrial hypothesis is probably the least realistic of all the hypotheses. And that's not really popular among those who uh, believe in the uh, alien story and those who believe in the Roswell alien crash and all these kind of uh, nonsense. Yes, um, it's... Again, the, these stories are very sexy, and that's why we're so drawn to them. We like knowing about these uh, mysterious things of, of the past and future and present. But again, the stories always outweigh the evidence. That's the bad part. Exactly. Uh, you said it right. Makes me sad. It is a sad situation. And, uh, you know, uh, there are those people who are tremendously skilled in presenting something that is not real, uh, like uh, they are very uh, dexterous, uh, dexterous in uh, in convincing people by their stories. And uh, you know, as I said in the beginning, I like people uh, like George Knapp. I think he's a great newscaster. Yeah, a yeah. Newscaster, he, but right. 
just fell in trap with this uh, Bob Lazar uh, story. And once you associate with somebody, you have to live with it the rest of your life. And uh, you can't suddenly come out and say, oh, I was wrong. Uh, Bob Lazar was just uh, not true and blah, blah, blah. No, you can't do that because George Knapp had already established himself as a credible uh, a presenter and a researcher, even. And so yeah, he can't just suddenly disassociate himself with Bob Lazar, who right. I said is a, maybe a great person, but uh, there's nothing that can be substantiated uh, about Bob Lazar. And now uh, Bob Lazar and George Knapp are, seem like they're promoting, along with the To the Stars Academy, they are all promoting the Bob Lazar story, just like uh, Jeremy Cobell did uh, by peddling the Bob Lazar uh, video. And, you know, this is a sad situation as far as I'm concerned. It really is. It is a sad situation. And another thing I do want to note out there, those out there who are into a lot of these subjects, the scientific method is completely void from their psyche, Norio. No question about it. <laughs> you said before that MUFON especially has really turned itself into more of a, uh, you know, I don't know what, uh, supernatural type uh, uh, organization, uh, not a scientific oriented organization. And uh, only promoting such things as the alien abductions and all that uh, kind you know, non-tangent, uh, I mean, uh, uh, topics. And, uh, of course, this uh, phenomenon such as uh, alien abductions and uh, so on is a fascinating topic, but unfortunately, there's no solid scientific proof of such a, a thing. And uh, But uh, yet, people flock to these uh, conferences and believe that people like uh, Travis Walton is telling the, 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 this, uh, you know, experience and so on, and uh, which which may be a real experience to the experiencer, but it's not proven that uh, it, it was associated with any of the realities that we know of. Absolutely. It may have been real to the person, but not real to most of the uh, the world, the physical world. Yes, you also have to take for or take into consideration many of these individuals out there maybe are on medication or have some sort of a mental illness going on as well, even though that does sound insulting. But if you look in, at the pattern of these individuals and uh, and you actually had their medical records actually pulled up. I'm pretty sure many of them were under heavy medication, Norio. Well, uh, that's, 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 I think that's a good point. But uh, even without uh, this kind of medication, there are people in this world who are affected by something, by some force that makes them tell things that are not true for some kind of a deceptive uh, purpose. And uh, uh, one, for example, is, uh, <clears throat> you know, a uh, former defense minister of Canada, uh, the Paul Hellyer. Yes, he's been on the program. Uh, yes, because uh, no matter how interesting his uh, uh, background was, you know, you have to remember one thing, that Paul Hellyer had no interest in UFOs until he uh, retired. And he, uh, you know, after he retired many, many years later, 
he began reading a lot of books about UFOs, and finally he seemed like he was convinced that UFO phenomena is real, and then he started uh, saying uh, nonsensical statements like, uh, you know, if you go to Las Vegas, uh, maybe uh, aliens might be dressed as nuns. Oh, my. Yes, that's what he said, definitely. And so, you know, there's a, a thing about credibility. There's no credibility among these people, even people <laughs> like uh, former defense minister of Canada that he claimed he was, and he was actually. But Tremendous. It, it's just because you are a military general or a former defense minister or a, a military pilot or, uh, or an astronaut you know, uh, the, the there's no uh, there's no wall between a crackpot. You know, I mean, any of these persons can be crackpots. You know, a, an astronaut can also be a crackpot in one aspect of his life. Uh, so, this is what I mean. Uh, just because one is highly credible doesn't mean that his story is. Uh, you know, is foolproof. Yes, and the mistake many people out there do, people tend to make this mistake all the time. Once they hear someone make one fact and or they get one claim right, automatically everything they say is a fact to those to that individual. Exactly. It's That's strange, what, right? Uh, this is the reason why, and I don't like to talk about people, but you know, people like Linda Howe. Uh, you know, she started with cattle mutilations. And, Absolutely, uh, yeah. Once you start uh, uh, some kind of a specialized uh, subject, uh, you know, the world uh, recognized her as a specialist in cattle mutilations. And once you are associated with that, then it's very difficult to come up with uh, other explanations. So any any cattle mutilation, Linda Howe began to associate with aliens. And so that's the downfall of people like that because, uh, you know, uh, you don't want to suddenly disassociate yourself with your uh, specialized topic. And so... Uh, this is what happened. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, people, for her, unfortunately, people have been realizing this. And I'm glad that uh, people like uh, Linda Howe is not associated anymore with the Coast to Coast program <laughs> because, uh, you know. Oh, wait, tell me about that. What happened? Well, uh, you know, he, she's no longer associated. She isn't. No. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, I... Uh, I believe that uh, there's a lot of uh, things coming out, and uh, you know people can see the folly of some of these uh, folks that are associated with ufology. And uh, uh, you know it's just that you know I, I don't want to use the word, but a lot of these people who go on lecture circuits are nothing more than the BS artists. And they're skilled, skilled in that. But, uh, you know, all of this doesn't mean that this UFO phenomenon is not real. In fact, I said time and time after again that I believe definitely that the UFO phenomenon itself seemed to be real. No question about it. And but, but to come up with the yes. explanation that this is a, an extraterrestrial phenomenon and no other phenomenon is just folly. And, uh, you know, uh, that's my position. Yes, and, sir. Yes, that's my position. And uh, so I'm often 
been described nowadays as a debunker, but I'm not a debunker. In fact, I am a supporter of the research into this very important topic because uh, there's no topic in this world more important than this this UFO phenomenon. I agree with you. And on that note, we are joined by another special guest, Norio. One, Michael Horn, I believe, is on the line. Michael, is that you? I think it's me. How are you, Michael? I'm fantastic. And if you have the show on in the background, please turn it down. I don't. I'm on my cell phone only. That's what it was. I can try Skype again. Are, are you getting me okay, clear enough, or no? I'm hearing you loud and clear, and I'm glad you're here. We were talking about many UFO cases and all sorts of different subjects. And by the way, uh, Norio brought up the fire in the sky incident with Travis um, Walton. And just, uh-huh. yeah, just, just recently this week, I had on uh, Dr. Michael Shermer, and of course, he talked about Travis Walton, and he claimed that he was a liar and he also didn't get whatever, whatever test he took uh, correct. I think he took some sort of lie detector test. Oh, okay. You heard that. I did. And I also want to say that I've, I've caught about 15 minutes of Norio and I'd say I'm about 90% in agreement with him because I think he's regarding a lot of this in the, in the proper way. I have a 10% disagreement with him that one that I actually think he, he will enjoy looking into i did we did exchange one email earlier today and um with travis walton you you know i i i represent what i consider to be the only authentic real ufo contact case and i also understand that you know norio's uh you know cosmology does not uh, include the idea that there are real you know biological beings human beings in this case actually occupying craft and contacting people that being said and of course i'm glad to go into that but i met travis walton some years ago and i i felt the same way uh partially that michael Shermer did and what i felt was that travis walton seemed to be a sincere guy who really you know believed everything he was saying that he was you know feeling like it was all very true etc i don't know about it i i don't have a a strong opinion that i would doubt it that it's true, but I didn't feel that Travis Walton was a deliberate deceiver. And if he is, then he's, you know, very good at that. Amazing. And Norio, what's your take on Travis Walton and the claims he's made in the past? Well, I've said many, many times before that I believe that the so-called alien abduction phenomenon may be real to the experiencer, uh, but uh, we don't know for sure what reality is. And until we know for sure what reality really is, we cannot debunk any uh, personal claims because uh, uh, his reality may be different from my reality. And uh, uh, he may have experienced uh, exactly what he said was a real experience, but uh, I'm not him, so I can't go into his uh, uh, soul or into his being and experience the same thing. So I cannot say, and I refuse to say that he was telling a lie, because we don't know what uh, uh, the uh, reality really is uh, in each person. I agree with you on that one. We don't see life through anyone else's eyes other than our own. So what he experienced or what he saw maybe happened in his mind or in front of him. Who knows, right? 
That's right. It may be an experience that we don't know how for sure the uh, because in this world there could be a lot of uh, experience uh, going on in uh, another level of reality, and uh, you know we have to understand that reality is not just one. It, it there could be many levels of reality. So you know, uh, but basically. Uh, without any solid uh, physical proof of these kind of experiences, we can't really make uh, too many comments. And, uh, y y you know, uh, people say that they have seen uh, chips, microchips, uh, you know, uh, in the body of, of the, those experiences. But, uh, you know, there's no hard, tangible evidence to say that these chips were of extraterrestrial origin or anything like that, you know. So, uh, you know, I like to refrain from, uh, you know, uh, going into this uh, uh, the topic because it's interesting, no question about it. It's part yeah. of a human being to, uh, to experience something that only that person can experience. I take it you are referring to Roger Lear, by the way. Well, I'm referring to most of these people who claim that they have found uh, some uh, tiny microchips and all these kind of things. But uh, to me, it doesn't mean a thing But uh, because uh, uh, the bulk of the world's uh, astronomers and scientists and engineers, uh, while they have a tremendous belief in the possibility that uh, – uh, extraterrestrial, physical extraterrestrial entities with uh, a high technological development may exist in this universe, but most, the vast majority of the world's reputable astronomers, scientists, and engineers are skeptical that we have ever been visited by physical extraterrestrial entities in physical extraterrestrial craft of any kind. That, oh, the bottom oh, line this is, is where I'd love to jump in. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Norio, also, uh, first of all, I happen to agree with what Norio is saying as well about the implants and all of that. We must now, in my opinion, take a very different tact in this discussion. While Norio has been very firm in stating that he does not think there's any evidence of it, what I must, uh, and I've been trying to do this, of course, for some time, and not necessarily just on this show, but generally, here is a statement, and I can substantiate it. The Billy Meyer contacts in Switzerland have been ongoing for 77 years and have an abundance of independently analyzed and authenticated physical and informational evidence and the most recent authentic authentication of the Meyer case being a genuine contact case came from an investigation done by the former, one of the top USAF OSI investigators who spent, as I said, eight months as a skeptic going over Meyer's evidence, and he went back to 1964. Now, rather than just launching into all that, so what I'm stating to you clearly, we have, Meyer has taken over 1,200 photos, films, and video 
all pre-digital era, pre-Photoshop, using standard cameras that are not digital, you know, capacity cameras. He has metal samples, not this nonsense from the TTSA, which is a disinformation organization that is virtually loaded to the gills. They have a front man who's a dopey rock and roll singer, and everybody else in that organization is a quote-unquote former intelligence operative of some form, CIA or Navy. This is a nonsense organization, but let's get back. We also have sound recordings made on four different occasions in an open field with 17 eyewitnesses that have been analyzed at four different sound laboratories, including the Naval Undersea Laboratory. There are over 45,000 pages of information transcribed by Meyer himself with one hand in German. I have made it my focus since 1988 to document the verifiably copyrighted published scientific information that Meyer made available anywhere from a few months to more than 60 years before we discovered it. It's ironclad. The independent USAF OSI investigator went farther. He said the Billy Meyer case is 100% authentic. It is ironclad. And he, as a military man, will take on any skeptics. And he did. He took on Kevin Randall and a skeptic from uh, India. He basically got rid of them because they can't think. The UFO field itself is the least scientific. It is the most bogus collection of charlatans and fakers and liars. And that includes the Bob Lazars and Jeremy Corbyn, all the rest of the people, none of whom as Norio has pointed out, this is why I'm you know, jumping up and down here to listen to, because none of them have been able to produce one piece of evidence, one piece of evidence to substantiate their crazy claims. This is an industry. It is primarily serving intelligence agencies to put out disinformation about all sorts of non-existent aliens, non-existent alien abductions. And the main thing, and this is where I'm sure people will disagree, it is to keep people from examining the Meyer material. Now, we had a breakthrough uh, about a week and a half ago during a two-week period. Two parts of an interview with me about asteroid Apophis were published in an, a paper in Great Britain. It's called The Express. It's what they call a middle market paper, that partial tabloid, partial entertainment, and news. They did two part. They've already published two of the parts of the interview with me. We think there's maybe four more parts coming. Here's the point. As Norio and you may know, NASA claims to have discovered asteroid Apophis in 2004, except that we can verify that Billy Meyer published the information in 1981, and he continued to publish the information, which included the exact dates. Now that NASA has confirmed those dates, the size of it, NASA changed their size estimate to within 25 meters of what Meyer said. And more importantly, the information from Meyer... Also, in the body of his information, he published from the alleged extraterrestrials that the the value that we have for the numerical value of pi is incorrect. And in order to do effective things such as deflect this asteroid, which is what was recommended by these extraterrestrials in 1981 and which now 
the Russians, the European Space Agency, the Chinese, and even NASA has now started to talk about it, they will need the correct value for pi. It has been corrected by a mathematician in Idaho. All of this stuff is connected because nobody ever says if there really are extraterrestrials who visit or have visited this world or made contact, what would the reason be? And why would an advanced race, certainly not to float somebody through a wall and take their inferior genetics, that's out. The abduction thing, if it exists, when it exists, is secret military. So that's nonsense, and that's not the reason. And the reason isn't to give people careers as so-called UFO experts, and the reason isn't to have people run around for MUFON chasing lights in the sky, which is done to support research that is forwarded to the State Department and the CIA that we know through people who are in the aerospace industry who've been approached by MUFON. This whole conversation must take a different direction, and it should take the direction of a challenge to what I'm saying to prove the singular authenticity of the information and evidence-rich Meyer contacts with one man in Switzerland, to which there are well over 125 eyewitnesses, of which I am one, and five other photographers. And we have on the team of people examining this, aerospace experts, attorneys, uh, the, the man who is the military expert has jumped back in to do a definitive military investigation of the entire case. This is a different conversation, gentlemen. We cannot – ufology is a dead, stupid issue. Pardon me. And I don't consider that we're part of ufology. I am not, and Billy Meyer isn't. But if I'm saying these things to you tonight, then I, I want the challenge. I want to – that's why I've said to you, Michael, I would love you to arrange for Michael Shermer, somebody I first encountered 16 years ago who was very dismissive of Meyer's photos but could not substantiate it somebody who I consider to be a person of actually good character and integrity who's uninformed and who needs to see the evidence. I think Norio, you, Michael Shermer, if you see this evidence and if you see the protocols that the military expert used to determine that the Meyer context, his photographic evidence, that, that that's real, and you do those protocols, you will come out with the same determination. And then all the rest of it, the reason for the Meyer case the Meyer context has a lot to do with what, with what we now call climate change. It's more accurate climate destruction. It has to do with the volcano specifically in the region in the Mediterranean, Italy, another one of which erupted today as per the prophecies and predictions dating back to 1948 in the Meyer case. We have to this date corroborated over 250 specific error-free examples of information scientific pertaining to astronomy, physics, to uh, archaeology, biology, you name it. And this information has been conveyed in a conversational means, and I and others have spent 30, 40 years charting this. Now, I've taken a lot of time to say that, but I want the challenge. Rather, Michael, you, you've expressed you don't think there's evidence. I'm telling you the evidence is so abundant, and that's why we have a phony ufology field to cover it up. Understood. And I will try my best to try to get a hold of Dr. Michael Shermer and let him know that this sort of thing needs to go down. And Noriel, do you have any response to what Michael Horn just told us right now? Well, actually, uh, I was interested in the Billy Meyer case because uh, a Japanese TV uh, 
producer uh, Junichi Aoi spent months yes. uh, months in Switzerland, and he produced a series of documentaries on the Billy Meyer case. I mean, extensive, very extensive. I think it was in the uh, early 70s. Uh, but anyway, uh, he came up with no definitive uh, conclusion because uh, while he could not uh, come up with any solid uh, evidence to support the uh, Billy Meyer case, he also did not come up with any evidence contrary to the uh, uh, the claim of Willie Meyer. So my position is uh, I can't make any commentary, no matter how interesting a case is, but uh, I am not going to uh, debunk uh, such claims because, as I said, uh, these things may have been uh, part of the reality of the Billy Meyer and its surroundings, uh, because I cannot uh, go into the, uh, Billy Meyer's mind. So this is the reason why uh, it's a fascinating topic, no question. It, it, it involves, a, um, it's not a question of uh, yes or no. It's a question of a mystery. This is one of the mysteries of the world that uh, we still don't understand. So uh, I'm not going to uh, say that this is just a hoax because there are a lot of people who immediately claim that the Billy Meyer uh, thing was a hoax. But uh, it's dangerous to, uh, you know, come up with that kind of a statement, uh, dogmatic statement. So Understood. I will just leave it up uh, because only time will tell. Only time will tell. Understood. And well, the, actually, go ahead, Michael. Uh, yeah, actually, I, I want to. I actually want to uh, sharpen this up a little more with Norio. This is not something where we, you know, in the same way that all of the people who are the liars and frauds in ufology, and that includes practically everybody out there speaking, cannot produce the evidence. The evidence has not only been produced, presented, if you will, by Meyer. It's been analyzed at JPL. USGS, McDonnell Douglas, IBM. This is not a subjective experience. This isn't somebody's mind we're talking about. This is something that has the evidence, the thing missing, and it has already been thoroughly. As a matter of fact, uh, Junichi said there were no cuts in the, in the films. These were real objects, blah, blah, blah. But more importantly, even than that, the man who was the special effects director for 2001, a man named Wally Gentleman, was asked if he could duplicate Myers, a very famous photo with a craft going around a tree. He said, well, I can do that, but I need a crew of 15 people. I need a crane, wires, and about $80,000 back in 1980. And then he said, so if you're telling me that this is a one-armed man who did this without all of that, then I have to say to you, this is a real phenomenon. That is the same thing that basically Michael Malin, who invented the Mars Orbiter camera, said, I'm looking at photos of a real phenomenon. The photos look good. I can't tell you anything about a man's claims to be meeting with people from another world, but his photos look good. Then I personally, 13 years ago, went to the company called Uncharted Territory. They won the Academy Award for Independence Day special effects. They know special effects. I showed them the same 
film that had been shown to Wally Gentleman. I said, can you duplicate this? And they said, well, we can, but we have to use CG because those aren't models. Both of these special effects people referred to the fact that the lighting was right for an object, that there, the, the shadows, that there was no, nothing indicating models, special effects, and all of that. And again, the UFO part is the least important part. I'm coming back to the scientific information. The internationally recognized standard for proof of first publication is a copyright. We have volumes of specific information, Mars, Venus, Saturn, Jupiter, the, the, the fact that Io is the most volcanically active body in the solar system, published by Billy Meyer five months before the Voyager probe got there. This is another discussion, folks. This is not subjective. So it's either the biggest, most impenetrable and longest running hoax conducted by a one-armed man who somehow has a mastery of photography, special effects, filmmaking, videography, electronics, metallurgy, and the list goes on, or it is the single most important real and true story in human history and science. I won't let go of the idea that Norio, who is intelligent and sees things, as far as I'm concerned, very clearly, whether he agrees in this conversation Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline that it's even possible. I am offering right now, I will, if Norio permits it, I will send him voluminous reports and all the rest on evidence. What in our real world, we are taking as truth history that goes back maybe even 80 years or more for which none of us can prove the, the factuality. We can't prove the details. We can only say something happened and it's said to be this. Go back 100, 1,000 years, 10,000, and it's all speculative. This is not speculative. We have the evidence. We have the facts. And this is why, to the Stars Academy, has used Meyer's photos without attribution and will not acknowledge it. This is why Tom DeLong won't respond to emails about it. And this is why every one of the rest of the so-called UFO experts have been sent the information and the evidence, and not a one of them will speak up because it will kill their careers for people to just look at the Meyer material and determine the truth for themselves. So you definitely have submitted all the evidence and, and uh, whatever else to the Stars Academy, and they not responded to you at all. Of course not. Wow. Neither did Jeremy Corbell when he set up a thing online saying, send me information or evidence about UFOs. Uh, Bob Lazar in 1987 in an interview with George Knapp, and I have this online, he, he talked about the Billy Meyer context. Now, how is it a guy supposedly in government and mil military uh, space development secret technology talks about knowing about Billy Meyer, says nothing more about it for 30, 40 years, whatever it is, and goes on to describe and be associated with an, a UFO, quote unquote, the sports model, that is a ripoff of a Billy Meyer UFO photo. This, if people do not understand what's being done here, when Christopher Mellon came out 
what was it, four or six weeks ago. And Mellon is a Christopher Mellon of the Mellon banking family was a former U.S. assistant deputy at the Pentagon for intelligence and security. He came out and said, we know UFOs are real. We don't know where they come from. We don't yet understand their technology. Then, of course, the Navy with their silly little, uh, you know, Pac-Man video saying, well, UFOs are real. Folks, there's no reason that suddenly intelligence agency-laden organizations are going to come out and tell you that UFOs are real, except if they have an agenda. Hold on, on, Michael, really quickly. Norio, what's your take on that, on the military, or Navy, rather, uh, changing up some of their guidelines and just in general, the footage that Michael Horn is talking about, the Tic Tac UFO, uh, I'm thinking this video is doesn't really prove that, that that's anything really, except maybe just some object that we don't know much about. It doesn't prove that E.T. exists whatsoever. It doesn't prove that at all. In fact, the Navy has stated that this is no proof of anything alien. Uh, so that's why... They decided to uh, discontinue the use of uh, UFOs, the word UFOs, and they uh, uh, reverted back to the unidentified aerial phenomenon, which uh, I think is the right word. Because, you know, we just don't know uh, if this involves any solid object or not, or could have the capacity to appear as solid objects. And could have the capacity to uh, impress people uh, that uh, these things are flying as if uh, using some kind of propulsion system. So, you know, this is the, it's still up in the limbo. And uh, so anybody that says uh, we're talking about UFOs as extraterrestrial physical craft in association with the the so-called Tic Tac UFOs photos, it's just they don't know what they're talking about. Yes, but, uh, and I've now, said many times before, right? A strong support well, I, of existence of the the phenomenon known as unidentified aerial phenomenon, whether or not they are from another world or not. That that's a that's to me is a speculation, and uh, we're all hung up with terminology. So you know, I like to just work with the terminology that I'm used to. And not uh, jump into any other, uh, uh, you know, uh, off-tangent views of things like this. Yes, and now they Um, are also in bed with the Army. Yeah, and there's, by the way, uh, I don't disagree with Norio on that whole thing with the Navy, because if you read what um, TTSA was saying, and you read what Christopher Mellon was saying, and they're talking about threat assessment. They're talking about the violation of our uh, security, et cetera. This is a setup, gentlemen. This is a setup for a fake ET attack or for developing the space command to supposedly combat a potential extraterrestrial enemy. It's not anything of the sort. They know there's no threat, but because they're ramping up militarism in our government and pushing for a war with Russia, there are all sorts of things at play, and the UFO topic goes into it nicely because that development is and has been for a long time under development at different bases. There's no extraterrestrials involved in it. 
they're not helping. There's no extraterrestrials certainly helping our government, working at these places. But this is a setup. And a, a person like Tom DeLong is a, is a willing patsy and probably unknowing. People like Lou Elizondo and the others involved, Christopher Mellon, they are doing the bidding of the intelligence services. This has nothing to do with any real evidence for extraterrestrial UFOs. But again, I'll say we have it. I'm going to, if Norio wants, I will pre present to him that which he has never seen. And then he can determine for himself if the conversation and the paradigm has shifted. Because for us to talk about whether it's an IAP or a UFO, at this point, unless we can thoroughly and credibly dismiss the existence of an actual otherworldly, uh, you know, entity, society that's coming here, or we can unequivocally establish that there is another presence that has made itself known, and I'm speaking in this case solely about the Meyer evidence, then we would have reason to march forward. But if we just keep on talking about UFOs and so-called paranormal stuff, it's entertainment and it doesn't get us anywhere. The real problems facing us are connected to this phenomenon. And I agree with you on that one. And of course, I forgot to mention that Tom also had gone to social media and made, I, I guess it was either on Instagram or Twitter or somewhere, where he said that he was briefed by an Italian intelligence that a UFO shot a military helicopter out of the sky. And of course, they were going to talk about that on the TV show Unidentified on the History Channel. Once again, the there History Channel. Uh, yeah, Norio. to create fear. Once again, yes, you, you said it. The History Channel, which is just uh, help, helping uh, brainwash the large segment of uh, the population uh, for some reason or other. They want us to, uh, to go into a, a paradigm type of a, a, a shift in our thinking. And so our History Channel uh, and other uh, forces are doing their job right now. Yes, and I'm sorry to change the subject very so slightly here, but just a little bit. I wanted to go back to what Dr. Michael Shermer said in terms of the Travis Walton abduction. I have audio of that. Uh, Michael, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to hear it or not, but Norio, I believe you will, though. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to play that clip right now. And Michael, if you can hear it, just remain cool and listen through. Okay. All right, hold on have interviewed a man by the name of Mike Rogers multiple times, and he, of course, was the driver and witness to the Travis Walton abduction, and they also made the film A Fire in the Sky based on this sort of event. I'm sure you've seen the film or heard of it yeah, yeah, a, a number yeah. of times, yes. Yeah, I've I met Travis Walton. He came to my office, actually, one day for filming for a TV show. Oh, interesting. And I, yeah, and I was on another set with him where it was a, one of these reality shows on, on the lie detector. Mm. So one of the episodes was they gave him a lie detector. Uh, and he volunteered to do it. He thought he'd pass. And at the end of the show, he ended up failing. Wow. Uh, yeah. I'm going to have to. I think, I think he made it up. I think he, this is what we think the UFO people think. I mean, UFO skeptics think he, you know, he was late to finish his job and he just concocted the story. And it was probably not meant to be a big public thing. It was probably just, you know, just to get out of this job problem he was having and but then it, it became it took off and then he had to live live the lie i mean that uh, you to call him a liar i don't know for sure but that's what i think he asked me my opinion i think he made it up and that was michael Shermer and what he thought. i remember hearing that uh i i caught that part of 
uh, your interview with him. But again, I have to say that it's unimportant because whether Travis Walton is telling the truth or lying, A, he can't prove it, and B, it has no value, no real value. This is where, you know, I'm, I'm already, I like to refer to it as persona au gratin in the so-called uh, alternative UFA world. Love that. But, yeah, but I'm not going to let go of it because we have the evidence. We've had it for a long time. I, uh, You know, and now that the, our military friend has stepped in to say he is going to now jump into the entire case and all of the stuff in it and do a military quality investigation there's the rest of this is irrelevant what could travis what let's just say for a moment travis walton is abducted by alien so what we what does it do we have no evidence right and there's no value to it there's zero value except for entertainment and i want to see the damn ufo field basically blown out of the water it's a useless distraction people are norio's talking about how People are misled by all of this. There's a there's another company called Gaia, G A I A. Gaia, yes. They, right, and they they are the ones that have promoted Corey Good and, and David Wilcock with their utterly imaginary uh, disinformation programs about so-called blue aliens and the rest. This is what's going on corporately with with, with History Channel or this one and that one and Gaia. This is to control people's thinking to get them all tied up in disinfo and entertainment and not notice what's happening to their lives, what's happening economically, what's happening environmentally. And all of the aforementioned has been part of the core purpose for Meyer's information. He's the first person to be warning about climate change, man-made climate change, global warming, the connection between A-bombs explosions and the ozone damage, the extraction of petroleum, imbalancing the tectonic plates and hundreds of other things. But who would know it? We're concerning ourselves with nonsense about, you know, Tom DeLonge and and Travis Walton and, and the rest of the people who are just I think Norio used the word the charlatan. It's not going to prove anything. You're right. Uh, you know, uh, so, you know, my final comment is this, though, that uh, uh, anyone that says that one particular case is the only authentic case or the only truth is, uh, to me, it's uh, it, it's it could develop into a, a cult. Uh, in other words, unless, uh, of course, it's true. Any, any, unless it's any, true, Norio. Yeah, I, mean, I have not so, seen know, any single particular case that I'm convinced of yet. Uh, not even one single case, of course, but I have to be open about all of these things. But anybody that says this case is the only authentic case, uh, there's a tendency for that kind of a, uh, a belief uh, to become uh, like a religion. And uh, that's the danger of uh, ufology in general, is that uh, there are some folks who believe that that they have the whole truth, 100%. Uh, so in my opinion, is that there's nobody who has 100% truth. And so that's well, why we have to be very you're careful. Gonna, you're going to be presented with the proof. And here's the thing. If you walk down the street at night and you see a flame in a, in a, in a basement of someone's home and it's, it's uh, you know, something appears to you to be burning, uh, should you say, well, that can't be a fire or... It's a fire, and that appears to be factual, and I'm going to knock on the door 
I'm going to knock hard on the door and let the people inside determine whether or not it's a fire. So I don't think necessarily, I don't know that Norio has seen any of my four documentaries. I don't think Norio has seen the evaluations, the independent analyses of photographs, films, metal samples, sound recordings, the military analysis, or the do-it-yourself thing where we show you you can take one of Meyer's photos yourself now that we have Photoshop and a, a nighttime object that it looks like a gold UFO in a black background, you simply adjust Photoshop and you see that this 31-year-old, 35-millimeter photograph is actually a large object hovering over a road at night with a hillside and all the rest. So I understand what Norio is saying. I understand if you haven't seen it, it would sound it sounds ridiculous and cultic. Mr. Meyer has dodged assassins 23 times for his trouble. They've tried to kidnap his children at knife point. I've interviewed 14 people who witnessed attempts on his life. And you don't hear about the Meyer case. You don't find these people rushing forward because the evidence is there. And what I'll do is I'm saying publicly, I will send to Norio a, a, a plethora here of of evidence with it's all credentialed stuff and then any questions he has and perhaps we'll be able to revisit this uh with you michael after norio if he chooses to look at the stuff pose any challenges to me i will answer any and everything i can and then we could discuss whether or not it's an outrageous claim to say there's a singularly authentic case for one more reason neither norio nor i nor you can say we know of another authentic case where there's no evidence. So if I'm making this outrageous claim, you better believe that I can substantiate it and have substantiated it now for for a few decades. And I think that Norio is going to be pleasantly surprised that he finally gets to see something that will give him a little exercise. By by the way, Michael, you didn't acquire these uh, medals from Art Bell now, did you? No. Okay. This is nothing to do with Art Bell. Here's the story in the medals. When the original investigative team went to Switzerland, that means Lieutenant Colonel Wendell Stevens, Lee and Britt Elders, and other people who worked with them in 1978-79, Billy Meyer claims that he was instructed by these alleged extraterrestrial beings to turn over a little box full of metal samples and to take them. They, they told Meyer, suggest to Wendell Stevens that he takes this to a man named Marcel Vogel at IBM. Marcel Vogel took the samples. He took a couple of examples of them. He, he set up a, a video camera and he did electron microscopic analysis and then spectrum analysis. And he basically summed it up. I mean, there's a whole thing where you can watch him go through it. He said, look, with any technology available to me as a scientist, I cannot duplicate this. There are machinings in here that are so fine that they must have been done by lasers. Every element in the periodic table exists, but in discrete relationship to each other that could not have been made by somebody throwing a bunch of uh, elements into a furnace. He said, no, we have to start to take this very seriously. This was done decades ago. And the, the sound analyses, uh, they, there was one guy, I think his name is Shell, Sheldon or Sheldrake or something at one of the sound labs. He said, based on listening to the sound recording, he thought it was made and he described the object that would have had to have made those sounds because they are not on record in the sound bank at the Naval Undersea Lab that has everything. And his description matches the description of one of the craft 
that Billy Meyer photographed and took 64 photos of. These are not anecdotal things. These are hard evidence things, hard evidence, computer analysis, thermographic analysis, you name it. And then just two years ago, two and a half years ago, Three new analyses were done of Meyer's films, including the one that the Japanese film director looked at, and including the one of the unusual object that has 64 photos, and yet another category of Meyer's things. And they now provided with those analyses, Norio, they provide the technology, meaning they tell you what contemporary state-of-the-art technologies they use that you can install in your computer to do the same analyses they did, which certainly Meyer didn't have any access to 30-something, 40 years ago. So we're dealing with hard evidence, not anecdotal stuff, not people who claim that little bug-eyed beings are abducting them and all the rest of this stuff, a whole you know, kind of train of uh, storytelling that had its origin during the Roosevelt administration when there were crashes of craft and they knew that there was something else going on in the universe and the American people shouldn't know about it. And that began with a radio presentation by Orson Welles reading the H.G. Wells War of the World, and they did it under threat of death to themselves and their families. It was very successful. People killed themselves worrying that little green Martians were landing in New Jersey. This is an entire intelligence matter. And, you know, gosh, guys, I'm going to give Norio, I'm going to send them all the stuff, but this will change the whole paradigm of there's no evidence. And I'm always surprised that people in the UFO field that are interested in it don't know about this evidence that's just flowing out here. It's yes. overwhelming. Yes. And Michael, I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program as well and sharing this information with all of us here. And I'm sure Norio is very interested in the material, right, Norio? Oh, yes. I'm always interested in uh, any material uh, because uh, that uh, I can't make a definitive statement about something without seeing uh, the material. But like I said before... That- uh, my personal opinion and my personal belief is that <clears throat> we have not been presented with anything that uh, says that we have ever been visited by extraterrestrial biological entities and extraterrestrial physical spacecraft or any kind, yet the phenomenon seems to be real, and yet the phenomenon seems to pre-select in advance uh, who to instantly materialize, uh, you know, uh, for uh, a deception. In other words, uh, I told many, many times that this phenomenon seemed to pre-select the observer in advance for some reason or other. And and also this phenomenon seems to uh, affect our physical parameters, such as radar and so on. But yet it's very difficult to come up with uh, uh, actual uh, physical solid, uh, you know, uh, the uh, proof, and yet uh, the phenomenon seems to affect us. So it's a matter of control of our thinking, just like Dr. Ballet said. Something is is working overtime to control our way of thinking. And my opinion about the government is that the government is too dumb 
to keep secrets for long. So anybody that says that the U.S. government has been hiding anything, it doesn't know what they're talking about because uh, uh, government cannot keep a secret for too long. And that's a fact. And uh, the intelligence community in the United States also doesn't have any clue what they're talking about because uh, they are just as well perplexed with this strange phenomenon and they have no other way to explain. And so they are playing games with the uh, confused public. And, you know, but anyway, I, it was such a great pleasure to be on this program once again, uh, Mike and, uh, you know, uh, uh, the uh, Mike, the two Mikes. Oh, Norio, we're, <laughs> uh, Norio we're, we're not done just yet, Norio. Almost, almost done, Norio, almost done. But I, I have to express my... Uh, uh, gratitude not only for you, Michael, presenting this, but actually for how refreshing it is to hear Norio and his take on this. As I said before, uh, we have a great deal of overlap here because, you know, ultimately uh, you could say that we disregard the claims of the U UFO community, both of us. Uh, and as for the rest of it, I will begin uh, slowly presenting or, or perhaps quickly presenting tomorrow uh, reference links for Norio to start to go over and he'll be free to obviously question, challenge, whatever. And I will do my best to respond in, you know, with uh, credible information only. And uh, perhaps in that sense, we will be able to revisit th this particular, uh, you know, premise a, a lot more as, as I hope to do it with Michael Shermer. Because I think he, as a skeptic, has a moral, an ethical obligation when challenged uh, with someone who says they have the evidence, then he should be able to say, well, I'll look at it. Absolutely. And I'll let him know and I'll give you uh, Norio's email and we'll get uh, going with everything here. Fantastic. Yeah, I think Norio and I already had a Oh, okay. Never mind. Uh, very br briefly, <laughs> and we've got each other and... and you can be assured that uh, Norio is going to be well provided with whatever we claim we have and that we will you know, work to develop that conversation. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Horn, for calling in. Really appreciate your call, my friend. Well, thank you. And, and I'd like to also thank Norio for being so generous as to uh, share time with somebody like me who's uh, you know excited about a particular thing and he was just so so kind in my opinion to, to do that now i will get off the phone and let you guys have the rest of it no problem okay. thank, thank you mr horn thank, thank you my friends right, bye bye and there he goes ladies and gentlemen that was the one and only mr michael horn a great guy very passionate about what he believes in norio as you can tell yeah, he seems like he believes in what he's saying, and uh, that's all I can say. It's, uh, you know, he's convinced. So uh, everybody has a right to be convinced about no doubt. something. Uh, but uh, my uh, con conviction is that the U.S. government has no, uh, hasn't intentionally covered up anything regarding UFOs. It's just that the U.S. government itself has been always been perplexed with this phenomenon. Uh, so... Uh, they are not going to make any statements about something that they don't know about. In, in other words, the only thing that they can make statements are on a physical uh, scientific level, and they have not made any such thing because uh, uh, there doesn't seem to be any uh, physical evidence for anything of, of this nature. Uh, but uh, the government is not interested in any other explanation 
other than uh, uh, physical evidence and other than uh, uh, possible extraterrestrial physical visitation, but the, yet they don't have any proof, so they haven't come up with anything. So they don't want to talk about uh, possible uh, appear materialization of these uh, sentient entities, which I believe exist in this cosmos. Uh, they are there are sentient extraterrestrial. Uh, entities which I call are possibly and only possible as paraphysical. In other words, the, uh, their ability to appear physically uh, and their ability to affect our physical parameters, such as radars, but their only problem is that they are unable to, unable to uh, uh, last too long in our dimension. Uh, you know, only for a few minutes or a few seconds or a few minutes at a time only. Uh, so this is my conclusion, that we're talking about the strange phenomenon that has existed since time immemorial, and the, the strange phenomenon that seemed to pre-select its observers. Right. Yes, I acquiesce. to disappear or dematerialize, not using any kind of physical propulsion system. Yeah, that seems much more tangible, in my opinion. And with all that said, your view on the paranormal is significantly different from that of the, I, I guess you could say, conventional ufology belief, correct? That's correct. And this is the reason why, why I don't like to use the word paranormal, because it's a word that immediately uh, connotes uh, the belief in, uh, you know... Uh, it's a dirty word. That's true. You're right. Is. That's okay. why I like to use the word paraphysical. Paraphysical, okay. Uh, and I've been uh, sort of uh, using that word uh, for a few, few years. And uh, even when talking about places like Dulcet, New Mexico, I believe personally that uh, there could be paraphysical phenomena that exist over there in that region. And uh, so while I do not believe at all that there is a physical underground base in Dulce, New Mexico, I do believe the accounts of many of the local Hikaria Apache residents in mm. Dulce, New Mexico, who claim to have had uh, strange experiences, uh, which I believe are not physical uh, extraterrestrial spacecraft uh, uh, experiences, but some type of a paraphysical phenomena involving the perception uh, given to the observers as they are uh, as if they were uh, uh, you know extraterrestrial beings yes. and so this is my conclusion i cannot deny any claims of uh, people who have seen uh, strange things in the sky but i believe that this is all part of uh, uh, extra dimensional intrusion temporary intrusion into our physical dimension for yet reasons unknown. And that's all I can say for right now. Very interesting. And of course, I must ask you, uh, Norio, where exactly does this interest come from? Were you younger at any time of, in your age, obviously, when you were a young man, young child, did you believe in the paraphysical then? I did not believe in a paraphysical. I only believed in my father's uh, uh, claim that he had seen some strange uh, greenish uh, uh, ball of fire 
circling the Bay of Yokohama, Japan, one summer in the summer of 1947. And he used to tell me about his experience. So I was interested uh, when I was a kid, ever since I was a kid, about uh, flying saucers. But uh, yet uh, it was only in around 1961 that I became sincerely interested in this UFO phenomenon, at which time I was a tremendous supporter of the physical ET hypothesis. But after I studied uh, Dr. Jacques Vallée's work and John A. Keel's works, I became convinced that we may be talking about more than ETs. We may not necessarily even be talking about ETs, but we could be talking about a phenomenon that appears uh, to convince us that, uh, that, that we are seeing extraterrestrial phenomena. Very, very interesting. And of course, the reason why I asked was I thought maybe perhaps it could have been uh, something that maybe was instilled in you at a very young age. I do know the Japanese are very into folklore, just like just like my heritage as well. My culture, they're very much into very much the same thing. UFOs, death, those sort of things. The yukai is what I was referring to, uh, Norio. Yes, that's that's correct. You said the right word, uh, yukai. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, that you said that word very good, and uh, so I'm uh, I'm interested in the unexplainable. Right. I'm the first to admit that there are unexplainable things in this uh, world. No question about it. Very interesting, and of course we've heard all sorts of different stories out there in Dulce, New Mexico. You have these uh, skinwalker types out there as well. Exactly. And many of this phenomenon seem to be related to the local uh, Native Americans' belief systems in their, you know, religious, deep religious uh, beliefs that involve uh, entities such as the skinwalkers and uh, other phenomena relative to the, the, the phenomenon. So I live in the state of New Mexico where there are at least 23 uh, tribes living here in this unique state of New Mexico. And so, uh, in a way, I'm fortunate to be living here because uh, we can do a lot of studies. Uh, we can do a lot of interchange of uh, uh, stories and ideas with the Native American population, which I believe is uh, has one of the most amazing, uh, you know, legends and stories and cultural and religious belief, which is seem to be tied in with everything. Oh, yeah. All these things sort of um, mesh together very nicely, in my opinion. Exactly. And, uh, so I will never, uh, you know, stay away from uh, uh, studying this uh, uh, unknown uh, phenomenon. It is uh, fascinating, Norio, no doubt. And uh, Norio, I'm curious, have you ever had any sort of experience yourself with something in the paraphysical realm? Actually, I have not. Well, actually, I have only one time when I was uh, working at a funeral home in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. In, uh, yes, 1980s. Uh, I was sleeping alone uh, upstairs at a, a fairly large funeral home in Little Tokyo in Los Angeles. I was there by myself every night because I had to answer the phone that night. And one night I uh, was sleeping upstairs and uh, I suddenly I woke up and uh, I heard somebody calling out my name and it sounded like my father's voice. And uh, so 
I woke up and I tried to get up and I, I was frozen and I couldn't get up. I couldn't move anything, but I clearly heard uh, the sound of my voice uh, calling out my name. And lo and behold, what happened was that a week or 10 days later, I found out the news from my mother saying that my father had passed away. Oh, wow. This is a real story. And this is the reason why I uh, cannot deny uh, any kind of unusual phenomenon. Well, it's a very good reason why. Sometimes you just can't. Yeah, this is definitely and this is definitely a truth. Yeah, sometimes these things are hard to explain. That's why we're, this world is so interesting, uh, Michael. And, uh, you know, we're living in an amazing world, uh, uh, amazing world. But, uh, you know, uh, we have to be very careful uh, in, uh, in our path to uh, seeking the truth because we could be sidetracked by uh, charlatans uh, here and there. And uh, so, but yet maintaining our focus, acknowledging as we go on our way, acknowledging that there are very strange things that coexist with us. And that's what uh, I would call it my final uh, <laughs> word, is that we have to acknowledge uh, that there's something strange going on, but yet we have to keep our both of our feet on the ground as we move forward. Yes, and of course, as we close things down very soon here, I don't mean to drag you into nonsense here, but uh, in the political realm, I did hear Jesse Ventura, someone who wants to maybe run for president sometime. Your thoughts and reactions to that, Norio? Well, uh, I think, uh, I don't know, about uh, eight years ago or or so, I think Jesse Ventura uh, attempted to run for, uh, you know, for presidency. But uh, at that time, I thought it was interesting. and But yet, uh, you know... Uh, uh, it didn't happen. Uh, but uh, one person that uh, I uh, kind of admired uh, at one time, and still, sometimes I still admire this person, but he, he's gone. He, his name was Bill Cooper. and Bill Cooper, right. Uh, Bill Cooper uh, predicted that a person like uh, this present, uh, president of the United States would come along. Uh, because Bill Cooper presented a scenario that uh, America is changing and that uh, a, a, personal, a person could come up that could move America into a different direction. And whether good or bad, you know, that seemed to be happening. That's true. So I'm interested. Yeah, that is very fascinating. I had no idea that Bill Cooper did make those claims. I, I'm familiar with many of those, but not that one in particular. Yes, he did wow. uh, make a, a lot of claims, and uh, but yet uh, Bill Cooper's own personality was not the best. In fact, he had a very, very uh, terrible, obnoxious personality. But that doesn't mean that he he uh, was, uh, uh, you know, he, he wasn't a good person. Uh, he tried to be a good person, but unfortunately, he died uh, just as he prophesied. He died with violence, and uh, he was killed by a. Uh, uh, sheriff deputy uh, in Arizona in 2001, uh, and uh, just as he he predicted himself that someday he could be killed, uh, but uh, you know, but uh, he was a complex person, and this is the reason why I highly recommend uh, Mark Jacobson's book, uh, the uh, the Pale Horse Rider. Pale Horse Rider is a great book. 
that was published last year by Mark Jakes, Jacobson, a writer in the New York uh, New Yorker magazine, who wrote this tremendous book about the importance of Bill Cooper. And not that Bill Cooper was a great person, but Bill Cooper did influence a lot of people. That's right. Yeah, very influential, no doubt. And Norio, again, I'm sorry to hold you here, but before I let you go, I, I must ask you, are you still doing the conferences out there in your area? No, I'm not into conferences in, in uh, at all because there's nothing new. There's nothing new <laughs> to even hold a conferences. So I'm really not too in, much interested in giving conferences because nothing has nothing new has come up. Oh, I meant I, I meant the, the music. Oh, the music. The music. Yes, there we I go. am very very actively ah. actively participating in uh, in uh, in this area in New Mexico uh, by providing uh, a, a whole you know entertainment uh, wholesome entertainment uh, at places like retirement centers and nursing homes and uh, you know uh, hospitals and uh, uh, providing my live music. Yeah, there we go people that encourages people and i'm a tremendous believer in the role of music how music affects the brains and uh, helps especially uh among the uh uh people who have uh, you know uh, like alzheimer's and all of those uh, uh you know illnesses the uh, uh that senior people have and so i uh, i think uh, this is my destiny to go to these places and provide wholesome entertainment for the good of the people, and uh, that will make people's brain activate uh, more. And uh, so, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate nice. to have at least uh, uh, 10 to 12 gigs a month in this Albuquerque Rio Rancho area. That's very nice. I'm glad you're doing something like that, Norio. And of course, I told you this before, but I, I, I meant it. You're actually a really good singer, Norio. Oh, thank you very much. I don't consider myself a great singer, but I consider myself a mediocre a keyboardist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, I like all kinds of music, the uh, blues type music, the uh, rock and roll uh, 50s, 60s music and 70s music and Latin music, uh, salsas and uh, world music like Italian music and the German uh, music. And uh, I uh, consider myself a, a person of uh, a very uh, broad uh, interest. Yes, you are, sir. And I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program. I had a great time. I had some fun. And I hope you did too, Norio. I sure did. And thank you so much, you, uh, you know, for uh, letting me hear your wonderful, silky, smooth voice, uh -huh. which is very rare. Well, thank you. I'm Now I'm flattered. <laughs> and that's the truth. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much, Norio. And we'll do this again in the near future, my friend. Thank you so much. We'll see you again. Yes, sir. Mahalo. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Mr. Norio Hayakawa. Great guest, great man. And of course, I do want to thank Mr. Michael Horn for, for um, calling in. That was fantastic, right, to get a chance to hear uh, Mr. Horn. And hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to him again in the very near future. And when I return, we do have some more souls to talk to. Mr. Teed London and Jared and Mario from Zombeast is live in the building. I will be talking to the boys in a moment. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. I didn't want to party anymore. I didn't want to play games anymore. I grew up. 
I'd already been in the fights, all the big rituals. I'd already had probably, a, I hate to brag, so I'm not bragging, it's actually shameful, probably 150 women or more. That's conservative. I'd had over 150 women. I'd already been in fights with full-grown men. I was already dating college girls by the time I was 15 years old. I was already a man. Yes, hello, it's Maxime Bergeron-Falardeau. I have tried uh, a couple of times, uh, at least a dozen times, to uh, call during the show. Uh, Michael Deacon, uh, while he was interviewing Michael Horn. And um, I'm just trying again now, and it uh, seems to... doesn't work. Uh, I'm a French Canadian, and I'm a bit uh, nervous because I have never called at any uh, show. But uh, I enjoyed the previous show, and I also talked briefly with Michael um, right after the the, the show. And uh, yeah, I wanted to uh, to participate a little bit, but uh, I was unable. Also, I'm not used to the Skype, so I am gonna hang out, hang up, hang up, hang up. Salut, bye bye. And welcome back, boys and girls. Here we are again on a night like this. So good to see so many familiar faces in the chat room still. I'm glad you are here writing with all of us. And I'm not alone, boys and girls. We are joined by multiple souls. Let's bring them in now. And I believe Mr. T. London can hear us now loud and clear, correct? I can, sir. Very nice. Now let's bring in Mr. Jared, I assume, and Mario. Let's see. Are, are they out there? Are you guys live? And now I should be able to hear them. I guess Jared's not here, huh? Is Jared gone? No, nope, I'm here. Oh, he's alive. Okay, we do got Jared now. Nice. Yeah, Mario's here, too. Yeah, good evening. Very nice. I'm glad you're here, my friend. And both of you guys make up a band called Zombies. Is that correct? Yes. And how long has that been going on? Uh, give or take, we were, uh, we, there's actually, it's a funny story. We were uh, together in 06 and we broke up in 09. And then over time, just, you know, streaming websites like Pandora and YouTube, they've just been referring our music back to everybody all this time. And so we just got back together again last year and we're working on a new album now. And so you guys reunited? Yes. Yes. After like 10 years. That's a long time. It is. And what made you go back to that, by the way? Um, I hit up Mario and I kind of just said, hey, you know, we should, uh, we had like a few songs that we never put out. And I said, let's do, let's go into the studio, record a seven inch, put it out and then play like a final show. And we had such a good time doing it that it kind of just turned into like writing more songs and then it just turned into a whole album. Right on. And of course, uh, Tommy, I do want to thank you for putting this together as well as the job you did with Argyle Goolsby as well. Hey, no problem, man. Uh, just to clarify, I'm actually not uh, part of the band. I, I'm actually the uh, touring manager for Goolsby. That's part of the band to me. And Damnation. That, that's part of the band to me, technically. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Part of the family. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it is you that helps a lot. So, I mean, you kind of are part of the band. Lots of people don't realize how hard it is uh, to get some of these things together. You definitely need uh, the manpower. Yeah, totally, man. It's, you know, we've been putting a lot of blood, sweat and tears and time and effort on this fucking shit. And, you know, we're we're getting through it. Uh, you know, we all have, um, you know, other jobs and, you know, personal lives that get on the way. But, uh, 
you know, we're, we're making it happen. And, you know, there's been a lot of obstacles just for this uh, tour coming up that it's just going to be like five, six states. So uh, we're just glad that, you know, the tour's still on. And, you know, we're excited, man, especially, you know, in the zombies camp, you know, these guys been inactive for a long time. And it's just great to uh, have these guys back. And, you know, thanks to, to Goolsby, you know, I was able to meet Jared and Mario and all the other guys. So now we're like, you know, super tied, you know, we, uh, we hang out and we, we do it all school, man. Like we've been promoting this show for the rebel lounge on October 30th. Um, just, you know, just putting up posters and flyers and, you know, we stay humble, man, you know, start from, from the bottom again. And, you know, um, it's been great to say the least. Very nice. And Jared, um, what do you play yeah. in the band, by the way? Uh, I am the guitar player. Guitar player. Okay. Yeah. And what about Mario out there? I I'm a vocalist. Oh, the singer. Yep. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And yeah, I actually the funny thing is I actually have heard of the band uh, a while back. Awesome. Yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah. But I mean, That's all, funny. Mario's uh, the quietest one, and he's a singer. <laughs> Ironically <laughs> enough, right? And and who writes the music in the band? Uh, we all do. Oh, you guys all do? Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and for those that yeah. don't know... Oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I guess now it's more so me and uh, Mario uh, going into this next album, but once once this album's done and this batch of songs are finished, um, it'll probably just be like a well-versed uh, aspect of everybody. So. Nice. Okay, and for those that don't know about the music or anything, how would you describe it to, you know, the newer listeners out there, the ones who are into all the crazy shit I talk about, really? It should pander to them. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to let Mario take the lead on that one. Handle it, Mario. Um, I don't know. I'm very influenced by Glenn Danzig. Nice. Sam Misfits. You know, um, horror movies of things like that very nice yes it's that time are you guys excited for halloween yeah, yeah. absolutely so hell yes back um, we're playing halloween on uh, in san diego oh no with, shit again, okay you know the, the almighty argyle goolsby and uh damnation and so we're looking forward to uh just a good time for a halloween in san diego yeah that's right by where i'm at about an hour oh, away wow, come down yeah when on the 31st i take it right yeah. yeah Thursday. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And and like I said before, man, we we got you on the list for any any of the shows that you want to come out. So the reason why I asked, thank you for that. By the way, the, the reason why I asked is because sometimes some bands say, "Oh, we're playing Halloween," but what they mean is uh, twelve o'clock on on you know the day before. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So I had to make sure. <laughs> yes, but you would be you'd be surprised how many times I talk to someone. And, you know, they are occasionally drinking at the time. And when they tell me, they're like, yeah, we'll be on so-and-so. And And then it's not the right date. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm I'm actually going to plug myself a little bit. Plug yourself. Go ahead. Thanks, man. (laughs) Well, we'll be uh, on October 30th at the Rebel Lounge in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, October 31st, we're going to be at the Tower Bar in San Diego. Nice. And... Probably the best show in the tour is going to be uh, at the Whiskey in Los Angeles, California on November 1st. So those are the highlight shows that we have. I mean, 
not to put the other ones down, but um, but it's the whiskey like, though. That's a badass venue. It's the whiskey, man. Yeah, like I mean, you know, for us, you know, uh, well, I'm especially you know, talking about myself, you know, the whiskeys, you know, like legendary man, Molly Crew, you know, Ellie Guns, Brad, and bands like that. The Doors, so uh, it's it's gonna be, you know, definitely the highlight of our careers to, uh, you know, be working with all the people down there. So it's gonna be great, man. Yeah, to nice. piggyback off of uh, what Tommy's saying, um, that that show is just going to be a big deal for us. So we're hoping L.A. has always been, um, it's almost like, I mean, Arizona's great to us. Don't get me wrong. Uh, we have so many amazing people here um, that come out and see us every time. Not like L.A., man. Play. Not like L.A. You got all the animals there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yes. L.A. is a whole nother beast. It's kind of almost always kind of been like our biggest market. And so we're just hoping that... Um, all of our friends in LA, because I only like saying fans. It's kind of weird. Like everybody's friends to us, you know. If they're coming out to see us and, and sing along, I'm just hoping they all come out and just have a killer time with us. This year. Very cool, very cool. And are you guys going to be dressing up on stage? What's going on? <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, me? I don't know. That's a tricky one. Uh, Mario might surprise us. Uh, Hell yes. So. <laughs> is Mario going to come? Is he going to be dressed like uh, Timothy McVeigh? <laughs> uh, maybe more like Charles Manson. <laughs> <laughs> so. Love that. Yeah. Uh, if he lets that beard grow in, he could be Charles Manson any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be anyone, that'd be a great pick, right? Yeah, it would be. We we me and Mario were talking about. We just saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We both agreed that Mario himself could have played a better Charles Manson than that that one dude they put in that movie. So, amen to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else, Tommy? Uh, Santa Cruz though is is the next night, right? Yeah, yeah. I kind of feel bad that I left the other left out the other dates out, but uh, yeah. so we'll be yeah, at the uh, Catalyst uh, in Santa Cruz on November second, uh, November third at the nine two four Gilman in Berkeley, and to close we'll be in Fresno at the Fulton fifty five in November fourth. Now, with that being said, Zombies only will be doing uh, the 30th, the 31st, the 1st, and the 2nd. And and what about any stories about perhaps maybe you guys like fighting someone on stage? Has that ever happened to you guys? People love <laughs> people love those questions. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. I, I, Mario, is there anything you can think of offhand? I forget stuff left and right. Did Mario kick a girl on stage? Anything like that? <laughs> oh no! Well, well, let, let's make it clear here. Um, <laughs> there's there's the an inside joke here. <laughs> like we will never kick anyone out of bed. Let me tell you that. I mean, I would, but that's me. <laughs> I mean, you know, I played a couple of shows in backyards, and I was known to hit a couple of people that would get in the way. Hell yeah, dude! So you know, I, hey, I got a story for that. I Go think, ahead. I think the only person that's been hit on stage is me by Mario. <laughs> so <laughs> he uh, he was whipping his mic. He, he, we were doing our thing, and and he swung his mic back, and I got too close, and I got smacked pretty good. And to chop it off, uh, top it off, he gave me the meanest look as he did <laughs> it too. So um, yeah, it hurt. But, <laughs> so. Mario is the uh, Freddie Mercury of the band. Yeah, it's sure. It's a hell of a singer, by the uh, way. I remember uh, 
think Jared might have used someone as like a, a monitor stand, you know, <laughs> foot stand. That counts. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not exactly proud of that moment, but it's it's true. So if he gets the job done, why not, right? Right. So the the person was a, was a was a good sport about it. He was a friend of ours. And, uh, yeah, so that's, and, and what not ab- much to that. Nice. And what about playing with other bands? You know, I try to get Goolsby to sort of spill the beans on this sort of thing, but he was kind of quiet. Um, I was hoping he would name one band or, or something like that so I could sort of get him to open up about it. But I was curious in terms of like bands you played with, have any of them sort of been like just complete dicks to you guys? Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's okay. got to be, right? It's it's mainly been club fucking owners and promoters. Yeah, those have are been yeah. in the past. Club owners are typically typically uh, dicks for sure. Had to work for a couple. Yeah, so, there's some, yeah. There's some really good ones out here, and in the places we played, we played with some really. I don't know. I think I, we've been lucky in that regard. I don't know, Mario. Do you think of a band that was, was jerky to us? Nah. Yeah. Um, Stand offish, I guess. Yeah. So uh, I will say that uh, when we played with the Misfits, uh, Jerry's version of the Misfits, uh, so, you know, we're talking Jerry only, Gus Cantina, and uh, I think maybe Robo. Robo, Robo, right? Yeah. Um, Somebody somebody there in that camp was mad at me for wearing a Danzig sweater backstage. So that's, I think that's like the weirdest thing I've ran into. So. Someone, no names, huh? <laughs> no, no names. But it was somebody like a roadie guy or something. Yeah, it was, it was like a roadie guy, crew person, uh, and uh, he stopped me and he says, uh, "He's like, really, dude, you're really gonna fucking wear that here?" And I'm like, "Yeah, man. I'm like, why not?" Like, are you, are you oh. sure it wasn't Jerry Only's brother? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. The fiend. So, um, I, I don't remember which 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 person it was, but all I know is, is that it doesn't matter anymore, really, because everybody's all harmonious in that camp now. So, well, look who's afraid of Jerry Only's brother. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to, I had to throw it in there. I'm sorry. I love doing uh, that. No. <laughs> so very cool, very cool. No, that's funny. Yeah. By the way, guys, um, what what kind of uh, equipment are you guys rocking? I'm talking about guitars, that sort of thing. Um, go um, ahead. I'm kind of going through like a guitar midlife crisis right now. I recently <laughs> like bought like, like <laughs> Mario's laughing because he knows it's true. I recently bought um, two PRSs that were awesome, and and I was obsessed with them for like about a year, and now I just sold them all, and I'm now back to using uh, Les Paul. So I play through like a Les Paul right now and a EVH four by twelve in head. No bass, huh? I'm sorry. I said, and and no one knows what what the bassist is using, right? Uh, no, Ryan's using. Ryan plays through um, an Ampeg four by ten, and he uses. Um, Ryan's kind of got like a bunch of like Frankenstein guitars, where like they'll be uh, they'll be like Squire bodies, and then he'll upgrade all the gear in them. So there's like a I don't know. Ryan's setup is interesting because he really likes to piece together his own guitars and Squire for the most part. I like knowing about gear. I'm sorry. Oh, no, not at all. And then Bo's using, um, Bo's playing, I think, a DW kit, right? Is that what it is, Mario? Yep. Yeah, yeah. He, Bo just, Bo's proud of his new kit. He just got a <laughs> shiny new one. And uh, nice. all, all new symbols, you know, so. Very cool. And Tommy just uses his hands. Well, I mean, like a porn star. 
I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> no, well, I, I mean, I could play a little bit. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say I don't play with myself, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I do play. Um, I play throughout Marshall and uh, Blackstar amps. And then for guitars, I used uh, LTD injector. Um I'm kind of all over the place. But, uh, Very cool. And by the yeah. way, the chat room here in the chat room, I, I have someone uh, by the name of Flying Medusa who's saying uh, Danzig is such a diva. Uh, your thoughts and reactions. Go ahead. Um, I think Glenn can do whatever the fuck he wants because he's Danzig. I kind of feel the same way in a weird sense. Yeah, I think he's earned it, man. Like uh, aside from somebody like Ozzy or somebody like Dio. Like who? There's not that many people that have a legacy from like Misfits to Sam Hain to Danzig like Glenn does. So I think Glenn gets to do whatever he wants. He's been pretty cool to us every single time we met him. Yeah. Very nice. Well, I'm glad to hear that he's been cool. He's kind of notorious for being very standoffish with his fans, or at least that's what they say. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, you know, I just think it's people approaching him with the wrong thing. You know, when you're when you're promoting new work, and uh, yes, you have like some drunk asshole who's constantly going on about how he needs to be getting back together with the Misfits. Mm. Like, I, you know, I could see I could see where that could just start uh, meeting somebody off the wrong way. You know. That's true. I could see that as well. And of course, if you guys remember, which I'm sure you do, and you know what I'm going to bring up now, uh, the incident with oh, the Northside Kings, if you remember that. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a while back. A while so, back. But yeah, I, well, yeah, that's I a weird. Remember that. That's a very strange group, by the way. The Northside Kings. Uh, are they even still around? I don't know. No, they're, they're, yeah, I don't think so. From man. Arizona too, but oh, I haven't shit. heard anything from them in a long time. And Tommy, did you see that? By the way, did you see Glenn Danzig hitting the floor from that giant uh, singer? <sighs> I did, my brother. My my heart. Ooh. Fuck, broken. Ooh. Heart broken. What what happened to the karate from Mr. Glenn Danzig? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think, you know, there's always going to be that someone that's going to be, you know, above you in some sort of way or another. So that's a that was, so good, man. That I was think a big we, dude. we all still look into him and, you know. Hey, that was a big guy, though, man. Danzig <laughs> isn't that? even, I, I was going to say, Danzig is, isn't even that big. And then the singer from Northside Kings, he's a big, heavy set guy. Yeah, the guy's the guy's pretty huge and intimidating, so I wouldn't I wouldn't fuck with that guy. Hell no. Yeah. Hell no. Much um shout out to Northside Kings, by the way. Don't wanna get don't wanna get knocked out now. <laughs> totally. For sure. But yes, um very surprised that Glenn did return to the band, by the way, for that short little run. Uh, I was shocked by that. I didn't think that would ever happen. Your thoughts and reactions, boys. <clears throat> I didn't think it was going to happen either. So, and, uh, and it was weird because as soon as I saw that promo for Riot Fest, um, I, there's just something about that promo where I kind of just looked at my computer and I just shut the fuck up. <laughs> and, right. um, and then the next day it was announced. So I was pretty blown away by it. Tommy, your thoughts. Go ahead. Well, I never thought it was going to happen, man, but like Jared said, you know, it did. And, Ah, just the shock that's my hideous was. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, I haven't got the chance to go see them live. Uh, I know, I think they played today the uh, Madison Square Garden, which was impressive. Wow. And I believe it was sold out, right? They sold yep. out. The, oh, wow. They sold it out. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah, last, last one. That's not easy to do. Much respect no, to them. No, it's crazy because Mario and I were at, we were at Bank of California Stadium 
um, earlier in the year when uh, in June or whatever when they did it. Uh, the loudest fucking thing I have ever heard in my life is 22, tw- 20 to 22,000 people screaming, I want your skull. Like it was the loudest thing I've ever heard. Apparently, Flying Medusa in the chat room is saying Ride Fest Chicago was so fucking amazing. That's his words. I, I, I guess he was there. Yeah, I mean, I would think that anyone who saw those shows, like, it, it was weird, man. You know, like, I was, I didn't know how it was going to affect me. I was like, when when the reunion happened, I was like, kind of one of those people that was like, oh, man, I wish this was like 10, 15 years sooner, but I was happy. But when we saw it in L.A., uh, the first L.A. show, because Mario and I have gotten to two, um, when personally for me, when I saw like Doyle and Jerry on stage together, it was a little surreal. And then when Glenn came out with the, with the three of them, wow. that's when it was like, the way that I described it, it was like seeing like real life monsters, like your favorite monsters from your movies, like coming to life, like right in front of you. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's almost like seeing the Rolling Stones. Sure. Except not, well, not with that much money, but I mean, you know, in terms of what we sort of grew up listening to, because I'm sure just like you guys, we all grew up listening to the Misfits, right? Yeah. Pretty I mean, much. Keith Richards does probably look close to a corpse at this point. That's true. He really does. <laughs> how, how do those guys, how, how are they even alive? That's what I'm, you know, I'm tripping out about really. I'm like, how the fuck are these guys even alive after all the drugs and all that yeah, shit? I don't know. I don't know. And then I see photos of James Hetfield lately and James Hetfield, who's only, he's like, he's 55, but physically going on 73. Yeah. He looks like shit um, for sure. Make, he does. He does not look good. These days. It's sad. It breaks my heart. It's like uh, from my childhood. Yeah. The dude is, is, um, he's like a serious uh, alcoholic, correct? Um, I think he was, and he's been sober for like the last, I think, give or take like 15 years, but he just fell off the wagon, I guess. Oh, well, that's normal. I mean, you know, a guy can have a couple of drinks, right? (laughs) Unless it got kind of uh, out of control, which I think might have happened. I'm not sure, but I could see that. Um, yeah, it was right around, uh, the anniversary of Cliff's death too, is what Mario pointed out to me. So who knows? Well, I mean, well, I mean, brother, brother, I got to tell you, brother here, I'm sorry, I'm calling you brother like Hulk Hogan, but I mean, brother, brother. but I mean, I I have to bring up the fact that, um, uh, you know, that sort of thing is, it affects a lot of people. Alcoholism, it it seems to be a theme for all musicians out there. Yeah. For sure. And actually, the best ones are on heroin, though. Would you agree with me on that one? It's pretty controversial, (laughs) but the best musician. Yeah, man. The best musicians, in my opinion, have always been addicted to heroin. I I don't know why, but it's always the goddamn heroin addicts who are just musical geniuses. I could be wrong, but that's just my thoughts and opinions. I grew up in the in the era of like Speed Freak, East Bay, like punk rock kids. Like like I like when I was in the Green Day when I was, when I was a kid. Oh, you were listening to Operation uh, Ivy like, then, right? What's that? I said you were listening listening to Operation Ivy. Yes, yes, yes. Right, like right. all those bands. Okay. Like during that during that big breakout of like Green Day and the and the second wave of like punk rock or American punk rock. Sure. Um, all those bands were using Speed and they were super fast and super tight. <laughs> so now you know why, right? <laughs> But yes, the heroin boys, uh, ladies and gentlemen out there, the the heroin, that's just one of those things. If your favorite musician is not using heroin, then he's probably not that good. (laughs) I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you for listening. What about my secret? 
I think that's Tommy's secret to his guitar playing. It's just a, a old some some China White right up into the vein, and then he's just soloing all over. He's chasing the dragon. Yeah. Amazing stuff. <laughs> hey, well, actually, I got to call someone out on the chat. Stars and Bars, uh, she said, I hate when my personal life, like my family, get in the way. Oh, I think she was calling me out. Never mind then. How dare but, you? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Well, I was just gonna say. So I actually been clean for five months. So that's what I was referring when um, you know personal life. Clean for five months from what? If you don't mind me asking. Um, just mainly blow and alcohol, whiskey. Okay. Okay. So I I gotta ask you something. Being like that, you have experimented a time or two with um, you know, this powdery substance. I've I'm in California. I hung out with a lot. I still do hang out with all sorts of walks of life. Um, lots of people that are into you know putting things up their nose every now and then. I'm not gonna judge them, and I'm just curious. uh, Wherever you are, wherever you are in in America here. Are, are you at all concerned about some of the product that you were getting, especially nowadays where it is kind of dangerous to, you know, sort of take that gamble with those sort of um, white substances? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Uh, you know, you know, first and foremost, because you don't know. Sometimes you don't you don't know who's actually selling it. And, Word. You, you know, don't know who's cutting it and what are they cutting it with? You know, is it, you know. Is it a different drug or is, or is it just, um, you know, chalk or worried about that fentanyl sugar? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's, you know, and if you're actually mixing other drugs that night, you know, it can get pretty dangerous. Um, so it's, you know, it's definitely a concern, but at the end, at the end of the day, you know, it's, you know, well, I mean, you know, you, you won't be too much concerned if you're at the whiskey, you know, you're kind of close to (laughs) Mexico there. You'll be safe. It's okay. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have said that. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I mean, I I really have no intentions of, you know, doing another drug or, you know, having a drink again. Yeah, man. It's, it's been a game changer for me to, uh quit all the substances and i'm just a different person man. stay like, natural I mean, man you, stay natural yeah yeah i mean you know you can ask any of these guys and you know we we still hang out you know we still go to clubs we still go to bars and you know we're i still act like a fucking idiot you know that's i still okay. have a great time yeah i love that <laughs> well see they're, they're laughing because they know <laughs> yeah i'm i'm on that same wagon not to cut off tommy but um i'm trying to uh I've stopped drinking in the last month. Oh no! And not that I, yeah, I know. <laughs> not that I've had a problem with it, but I'm just trying to hit. I'm just trying to hit some goals right now. You've been hanging out with and, uh, Argyle uh, Goosby too long. What's that? I, I said you've been hanging out with Argyle Goosby too long. He turned you into a straight edge guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm. I'm basically straight edge now. No, I'm just kidding. But um, no, I really am because it's just the late nights, like. I'll tell you what, the only time I have to work out is in the morning and, uh, uh, yeah. you know, uh, there's nothing like booze in the night before and a hangover Ooh. to make you skip going to the gym, you know? Well, you know, sometimes you could take um, some Mother Earth and you'll feel better. <laughs> I mean, at least it makes you know me what? feel better. That, that just gets my anxiety through the roof, whether it's an indica or sativa or it's a hybrid. You like, got to hit those sativas and then go to the gym, man. Then you'll be like if you are on Adderall lifting weights. 
Right, right. That's what I need. I just need to pop an Adderall in the morning, <laughs> and I'll just start. That's what, that's what I'm going for. Yeah, that would be like Arnold. <laughs> By the way, guten Morgen for those German listeners out there who do uh, tune into the program. And if they're listening, it's probably that time. It is morning out there for them. So uh, guten Morgen to the, the Germans out there. Yeah, don't forget your morning line. Yeah, good speed out there. But that's besides <laughs> the fact that uh, Tommy... Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. T. London. I mean, uh, you know, that sort of name, it makes it sound like you're some kind of like bare knuckle under underground sort of street fighter out there in the UK. <laughs> well, in reality, I'm just a cholo from Mexico. I was going to ask Thank you if you, you know, I was going to ask you if you knew uh, Lee Murray, <laughs> but yes, uh, a cholo from Mexico. Yes. Not very far from where I'm at. Just a couple miles away. Yeah. And you know what? He ties very, uh, good with what we're going to do tonight after this we're going to do a uh well they call it a chola goth night what the hell is that i think i think jared can elaborate a little bit uh, jared please do <laughs> tell uh, okay so there is a group called prayers which i'm not too familiar with are they christians you know that uh no okay or i don't know i'm not the authority on them it's Maybe. weird but they're kind of like uh they're like this hip-hop like kind of death rock group and they um one of the members is doing a theme night and seeing how uh tommy mario and myself are on the hustle for these shows we're just gonna go down there and and hit that and do some flyering but basically it's a bunch of like like cholo people that are also goth so it's oh, gonna shit. be like a I, I don't know, Tommy. Thanks for leaving that one up to me. I mean, you got a lot. Of, you got a lot of that in Mexico and, and and TJ as well. You have a lot of that scene out there as well. Yeah, you know, there's there's now like all this fucking crossover with genres and stuff like that. So, you know, you guys got to go to Mexico, cool. by the way. You guys would be loved there. Oh, bro, I like, yeah. fucking lived there <laughs> for 15 years, and Mexico is awesome. For those that don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you know, after you know, after two thousand eight, it, it got pretty, pretty dangerous. That's what I, makes uh, it fun, yeah. though. That's what makes it fun. The, the dangerous <laughs> element, seeing the the armed no, guards yeah. with the AK forty sevens and the other things. I mean, it's, what's it's there not to though, love? What's there I not to love? Go, I used to go to Mexico quite a bit with when um, you know with uh, some family members back in the day, and the first time I ever went to Mexico. I walked into like a scene from really like a Tarantino movie. Oh shit! Like, I'm in Mexico. My 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 white Casey ass <laughs> is there, not not belonging. And we went to a restaurant, and I walk into the, the restaurant to go use the bathroom. And I walk into the bathroom, and there's one toilet. It's a stall. I open up the stall, and the toilet is covered in fresh blood. Like, oh my god! Covered like dripping down the bowl, and. Uh, that's when I knew uh, I was in Mexico. Yeah, you you just witnessed your first close hanger abortion, huh? Yeah, something, man. Yeah, but it was an abundance of fresh blood. Oh my god! I don't know who it belonged to or how it got there, but somebody was probably missing something. Oh boy! Somebody you know what? That actually reminds me. Um, the last time we were on tour a few weeks ago, well, the restroom story. <laughs> the restroom story. Oh, please tell. Oh, well, Jared has to tell this one. <laughs> oh, wait, what, what's the story? I, I didn't hear. Uh, the we, restroom we, story. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you're driving through El Paso, and you would think that in the barren wasteland that is New Mexico and parts of Arizona, <laughs> you would think that if there is a bathroom at a rest stop in the middle of nowhere, it would be a fully staffed, like, Flying J or Love's bathroom. 
And lo and behold, all four, four to six of us in the van have to uh, use the restroom. Oh, boy. And Tommy, yeah, Tommy makes a stop. Tommy's like, bro, I'm going to poop my pants. And <laughs> so we, we, <laughs> we stop for Tommy and we go into the bathroom and it's just one stall, one stall, one urinal. And there's a line of, there's a line, all of us are lined up waiting to use this. And this dude is just taking a duke of epic proportions. Wow. And the whole, the whole thing fucking stinks. No courtesy <laughs> plus. We're all tired. So we're talking, having a conversation and there's no courtesy flush. And I walk in and I say, uh, Hey guys, uh, I don't know if anybody's noticed it, but, uh, it smells like shit in here. And, <laughs> and then we all had a good laugh at the expense of the dude in the urinal. And, uh, yeah, that's basically it. Wow. Yeah. That's, um, gotta be careful when you go into public bathrooms out there, you might find something you might not like. Oh, bro. I put fucking triple paper on every single seat that I go. (laughs) I would, I would have to hope so. You don't want to get that hep C. Yeah. 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 I mean, these guys know how fucking germaphobe I am. And by the way, since we said, yeah, since we said hep C, I I need to hear this from you boys. Um, would you have banged, um, Pamela Anderson, given the fact that she would give you hep C your thoughts and your reactions? Go ahead. Oh yeah. Fuck it. I mean, if you're going to get hep C, (laughs) you might as well get it from Pamela Anderson, right? I mean, it's Pamela Anderson. Come on, man. (laughs) I would definitely bang her and get hep C. I don't give a goddamn. I would do it. Look, for the story alone, it's the story. For this answer, but she's like, and people are going to say I'm full of it, but she's a little too, she's a little too 1992 for my liking. Well, I mean, now, but I mean, like, let's say like five years ago, you, you wouldn't contract hep C from her. Well, 10 years ago. I will not kick her out of it. Or is she clean now? Did they, did they cure that? I don't even know. I don't Uh, know, man. Some people do get cured of it. I think it's, I think it's kind of luck though. That's so weird, by the way, man. Hep C, yeah. that, that's like a weird thing you don't really even think about. Uh, that that Tommy Lee now. Good Lord. Just think about all the women he banged, sure right? all sorts of things on that dick. Do you think he might have, do you think he might have banged like a guy at one time too? I, you know, you never know, right? Well, I think there was a story with a slash. Um, I really don't remember. I think it's in the dirt. That's um, what I want. I wonder yeah. about those sort of things though, Tommy. Like, I wonder if like a lot of these guys, you know, occasionally they're into groupies for so long. Cause you hear stories of different actors going through that phase as well. You know, you bang, uh, you know, you're banging all kinds of meat all the time, <laughs> you know, and maybe you want some new kind of strange, something you've never experienced. And sometimes that's like, it comes from a guy, maybe. I mean, just look at Owen John and, and look at, you know, someone like John Travolta, who's also a known homosexual. You guys might, you guys might not even know this, but check this out. Check this out. I live in a little town called El Centro, California, and right next to it is a little town called Imperial, California. And we do have like this, um, it's like an airport, but it's really fucking small. Well, check this out, boys. Uh, John Travolta, and I'm not lying. If I'm lying, I'll be struck by lightning and there's no lightning hitting me, as you can tell. And this guy, John Travolta would fly out here and he would definitely be uh, banging this one young police officer out here, boys and girls. And it's a fact. I had friends who worked for the police department out here, and they could attest to this. John Travolta, definitely interested in a younger police officer, and I'm pretty sure he was plowing that young man. (laughs) 
Hey, that's that's what you want to spend your Friday night doing. That's, ho- that's Hollywood, boys and girls. If you haven't noticed already, some of these marriages or, are not legit. Or maybe you're a Saturday night. No pun intended. Mr. Saturday night. That's what they call me. Yeah. <laughs> no homo, though, I promise. Oh, yeah. But I mean, with you, with you three boys, maybe I might do a little on top of the uh, top of the clothes action, some PG thirteen stuff. Oh. <laughs> maybe. Where did, where did I go to sleep and wake up? <laughs> I've been hanging out in Mexico too long. <laughs> Amazing. I miss Mexico, man. I, I haven't been back since they uh, since they made you have a passport to go. So oh, that's right. Yeah. Thing kind of uh, dark times now dark times but you know that reminds me of um when we were talking earlier in my mind i i had this uh, gentleman by the name of um what's what's his face the, the singer from lincoln park chester chester yeah chester i i did want to get your sort of uh, thoughts and reactions to uh one chester and the fact that he offed himself and all kinds of people in the, the conspiracy realm, they were saying, oh, the, the guy was killed purposely because he was going to uncover like this big pedophile ring. Uh, your thoughts and reactions to that. Go ahead. Mario. <laughs> Love to hear this. I don't have, I don't have any. Um, I can go next. Um, I don't know, man. You know, I think um, seeing how uh, a good friend of mine killed himself. Oh, uh, bummer. Bummer. In the in the same in the same demeanor, I, I believe. Didn't he? Didn't Chester hang himself, or did he drown himself? I, forget. I think he hung but, himself. Yeah, yeah. A, a good friend of mine did it, and you know, it's weird. I think I, I don't. I don't, you know, maybe this is the wrong show to say this on. Uh, no, no disrespect to anybody, but I think everybody just always has to turn something into some weird, sexy fucking mystery. Which is fun. I get it. I get the desire to do that. Sure. Um, but I, I think when it comes to that, all I know is the night that my, my friend, um, killed himself. Uh, all the people I know who saw him that night said that he was laughing and having a good time and, ha- and he was hosting a party. And after everybody left, that's when he decided to do it. So it's weird. I think, I think depression's a motherfucker. And I think that. Um, some people just, no matter what they have, they just have this nagging itch in the back of their mind and, and eventually it gets them. Yeah. That's the scary part about, um, uh, life and humans in general, you never know what they're thinking in their heads or what's going on in their minds. And of course we don't see life through their eyes. So that's what makes it kind of weird. You know, you really can't trust uh, too many people out there. I agree. And I myself struggle with suicidal thoughts a lot. Did you? My my suicidal thoughts are at the result of just uh, just just like being lazy. (laughs) Like like, oh fuck, I got to mow the lawn today. Fuck, (laughs) and you know, it's like the same way that Bill Burr, the comedian, described driving to the store because he had to make a pie, and how he was daydreaming about just letting the car veer off the road and slip and hope it kills him, (laughs) so he doesn't have to make a fucking pie. Amazing. Uh, Tommy, do you have anything to add to this? I'm not really, to be honest. Um, you know, I'm I mean, the same boat as, you know, as Jared, and I'm, I, I don't think he will mind me say this, but, you know, like me me and him just, you know, just kind of talk when we're going through stuff and we help each other. And, you know, you just got to have to have someone to talk to. I think that helps a lot. And- don't tell me you're getting all emo on me here, are you? You fucking <laughs> motherfucker to, getting emo here crying. <laughs> you fucking. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. 
<laughs> but yeah, man. I mean, I think I think we all have some sort of depression, and we'll go through there. Sure, so it is. Just, yeah, we go through our our you know yeah. our peaks and our valleys and our trials and tribulations for sure. That's you know that's uh, that's life, boys and girls. Yeah, it is. <sighs> and sure. Tommy, and to piggyback off of Tommy, he's right. Tommy's dealing with his own shit. I deal with mine. Um, on a more serious note. Um, I struggle with body dysmorphia. Um, it, it definitely, it can turn a good day into a day of just literally, um, considering like ending your life. Wait a minute. And, wait a minute. Tell me, tell um, me that again. Tell me that again. What, what, what's going on here? You're suffering from okay. what? So I, I struggle with body dysmorphia where, but um, why, what, what, what you're, just, you're a man though. You shouldn't right? be, you shouldn't be emotional about that sort of thing. You, you know, you're a guide who gives a fuck. That, that's what, that's what society says, but. Um, you know, not all of us, uh, not all of us are the same way. Oh no. Are you turning fun. vegan on me? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> turning <laughs> vegan? Is that what you're getting at? I'm playing with you. I'm playing with you. Go ahead. Oh yeah. So, but yeah, I struggle with that like big time and, okay. and it can take the best day of my life and turn it into the worst. Um, you know, and so Tommy and I, and even Mario have conversations about our shit. Okay. I think it's, I, I'm, I consider myself really lucky to have. Uh, the group of friends that I do in the band, Ryan, Bo, all them too. We all openly talk about what's bothering us. Well, that's and, good, yeah. and I think we get through it all by just talking about it, you know, with each other. That's a good thing though, because, um, communication is, is a big, is, is a pretty big part of everything, really. And especially if you play in a band, lots of people get, are, are you know, overly emotional. Sometimes you could say something and you piss someone off and all of a sudden you you won't find them on a Monday night practicing with you again. Oh yeah. 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 Um, you Word. Know, uh, I'm not very fond of being a band with <laughs> just straight up. <laughs> and, um, I expect like a certain, uh, like level at all times. And, and it's, it's good to have somebody, I guess, in the band like that, that is, um, just making sure everybody's up to par, but I'm seriously surprised like Bo or Ryan haven't killed me and hit my body in the desert yet. Well, well, you know, you might be speaking a little too soon here. Maybe they're playing on that. <laughs> <laughs> they might be. They're, they're not with us right now, so they could literally be waiting. They might the be scheming. You never know. They might be scheming. And by the way, since, uh, I mean, Tommy, I have to bring you in here, Tommy. Um, you know, I we were just talking about, you know, using drugs and alcohol, that sort of, those sort of gimmicks and stuff. Um, you know, when I brought up. That sort of thing to Argyle Goolsby. He was definitely not on board with that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, um, it's for me, it's it's kind of hard to, you know, express and, you know, tell people my thoughts because, you know, I'm I was a guy who fucking abused substances for a decade, you know, and now sure. I'm the most, you know, straight edge person you could probably meet, you know, like, I mean, and in a way where like I'm just an advocate to you know be clean and be sober and like i don't drink i don't do drugs i don't smoke weed i don't you know smoke cigarettes i don't do anything you're a role um, model now <laughs> i'm a grown-up <laughs> but yeah, i know man but like at the same time you know like you know these guys you know have been around me when when you know we go to clubs and bars and you know if you're drinking i mean i, I don't give a fuck man you know if you're doing drugs in front of me like that's cool too, man, but I'm just not going to do them, you know? So, like, if I'm snorting, like, this fat line off this uh, Colombian stripper's ass, you're definitely not going to partake in that, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I will... I'll join that one, right? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> nah, no, but I'll be... You know, like, 
it's it's tough for me to say like yeah like i encourage it like it's not like that would be like fucked up to me to say like for some people right you know right. Like, you could see it like that but like i don't know man like there's this side of me this debbie lee roth you know vince neil party 80s kind of dude approach you know but at the same time you know it's like this you know adult person who is now in control you guys are better than me that's all i could say <laughs> you guys are a lot better than me i'm not i'm no role model for sure well, you know what? Like I, I overdid, uh, like I said, you know, substances for 10 years and, uh, I just can't have one, you know, like if I'm going to drink, I want to get fucked. You know, if I want to, if I want to snore, I want to do it for. So when you you're know. drinking buddy, like you can just be cool with just being like really buzzed almost at that level where the room's kind of like spinning or you got to go full bore where you're like blacking out. <laughs> depends on the night. <laughs> depends on the night. Depends on the event. You know. Um, okay. Okay. But it was definitely getting on the way of you know who I was, my personality, my communication skills, and you know I couldn't even fucking talk to a girl. You know, I mean, not that I can talk to them now, but <laughs> but you know, like <laughs> things like that get on the way. Tommy, like, you have no game. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, I, I don't feel like I have any. <laughs> boys, boys, tell me the truth. Boys, uh, Mario, uh, Jerry, uh, tell me the truth. What's going on with, with our boy, uh, Tommy he's here? He's got a ton of game. He's, he's got, got game. Tommy's got a ton of game. He, he just doesn't believe in himself as uh, much as he should. So. He doesn't have the confidence. Ladies, I'm just going to put it out there. The self-confidence. Tommy is Mr. Good Time all the time, completely sober. I mean, right? I've seen Tommy. He looks like, a, you know, he has that exotic look to him. Like, you know, he could bang out <laughs> some broads for sure. You know, he could definitely... <laughs> Go all night long. You know, he's one of the guys that that can make the night last forever for some women out there. You know, he's a, a romantic man. I think I think it's in him. I think he can definitely lay down the girls for sure. I, I could see him like he's a you know, he's a ladies man, I could tell. Oh, he's a man. ladies man, but Thank it's kind of funny much. how shy he is sometimes and I and I don't quite understand why. T like, Money T Money, are you shy, T Money? Tell me the truth. <laughs> yeah, I mean and just to uh you know Give you an example, like last night we went out to a a, a normal goth night. <laughs> it's not a cholo goth night, but it was just a regular um, goth night here in Phoenix. And okay, okay. There was uh, there was a kind of uh, female that I I like a lot. Um, yeah, so uh, big breasted I goth saw- girl, right? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> not necessarily. I mean, <laughs> oh, that's what I'm into. Sorry. No, no, I am into that, but I wasn't into that. I, I don't want to say it, you know. <laughs> you know, they're laughing already because they already, you know, know what I'm about to say. But um, no, there, there was this girl that I was really attracted to, um, and uh, I just couldn't do it, man. Like, uh, you know, like I put, I put too much thought into oh, it. Oh no, Tommy! I told the guys, and I fucked it up, man. Good Lord, Tommy! I know, man. I know. She was perfect though. She gave me the eyes. She gave me the smile, and. I fucked it up. What can I say? Mm, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy's wave of depression has just come over him for the night, realizing what what transpired again. You yeah, lose out, left. my friend. If you, you you lose out, if you don't take a swing there. Oh, I know, man. I should have. You should have. You got nothing to lose. She's what I'm looking for, man. And these guys know it. I know it. You know it. You know? So you're looking for like a suicide girl type model, right? Is that what you're looking for? Not at all, man. I'm looking for... Uh, I've gone out with a couple of them, by the way. 
Oh, yeah? Uh, yes. There was actually one. Oh, God, I shouldn't say this. Was It was from around here that, you know, um, that's kind of what she oh, hoped God. and seeked for in her entire life back in high school. And, uh, you know, I got involved with this one. And uh, one day, you know, without tattoos or anything, but that's what she hoped for. And then later on in life, now she's covered in tattoos. Wow. Amazing. But, yeah, uh, I, I've I've known to go out with a few of those girls that work there. Yes, that's true. I shouldn't have said that, but I got myself in trouble now. Go ahead. Hey, man, that's 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 the Michael Deacon show, brother. Uh, I, I should have never said that, but now I know I'm going to feel the wrath later. Someone is going to say something. Preach, my brother. Preach. God damn it. Some, You're going to you know, get an angry message on Facebook. I get in trouble what? all the time. You guys don't even know this, but I get... I get so much heat from like different shows, different personalities, uh, different women have even, you know, I, I hate to even bring up uh, that sort of aspect in my life, but this show has ruined countless relationships. That's not true. <laughs> I mean, that's not, that's not like, that's not a fake. That's not a gimmick. That is the reality of what goes well, on Tommy here. Tommy and I are very secure in our union. So good, good. Luck there, buddy. I'm, we got your back. Uh, well, thank God. <laughs> thank God someone does. <laughs> We're your saviors. I need that. I need that in life. But yes, my friends, um, doing this show has caused uh, uh, some trouble for sure. Got to be honest. You know what? Not enough. But I, I hope uh, we can do some more trouble in the future, my friend. I'm all about that. <laughs> I mean, as, and if you're going to come out to the show, well, you know, I might, I mean, I, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking, you know, what else am I going to do on, on Thursday? It's Halloween. I'm celebrating the third year anniversary of this program and I'm, I'm happy as shit. Nice. Congrats, oh, man. Congratulations. Thank you, boys. Thank you guys so much. I've accomplished a lot on my own here, but of course I had some help, but um, the show's expanding and it's doing quite well. The podcast rendition of this program is quite popular nowadays too, which is uh, tremendous. I'm, I'm so happy. Yeah, man, yeah, you're, you've been doing a, a great thing. job, and um, you know, I've been listening to you since you had the interviews with Mike Hideous, and it's just always, you know, Mike Hideous is one of the guys that I've looked up to for a long time, and. You know, I just always love fucking, you know, tuning in and listening to what he has to say. I love when he fucking rants. <laughs> and I love it. Fire videos, for sure. He's a wild man. And, and by the way, I, I thought I was hearing Jared and Mario back there. Um, in terms of Mike Hideous, what, what are your thoughts and opinions of one Mike Hideous? Um, I've heard some stuff of his that was cool. I'm, I, unfortunately, I'm not as familiar as I should be. I, I find that I'm quite embarrassed by that because I have, like, Tommy's always spoken very highly. Um, one of our other friends is, like, a, a fanatic of his. I'm not that much familiar with him. Uh, what about you, Mario? Um, I, I'm not familiar. Yeah, he, he's pretty talented if you hear some of the, the songs he came up with going back to his catalog. Uh, the dude is actually a, a damn good musician for sure. Yeah, I know he's one of those like self-made dudes who yeah. can do like his own project mm -hmm. entirely himself, and that's I always respect anybody who can do that. Yeah, that's some pretty crazy shit there. And uh, speaking of which, what what kind of music? I know we're running out of time here pretty soon here, but I'm curious, what kind of music do you guys uh, listen to? If you guys listen to music at all nowadays, uh, Mario, what are you listening to lately? Uh, I don't know, a lot of old stuff. Just old stuff, okay. Yeah. yeah, Mario's a little, um, he's like a little classic rock. I mean, so obviously Sabbath and 
and all the all the, the dance and catalog and all that stuff is always like principal for us as a band. But um, yeah, we're an eclectic mix, so that's for sure. And what about you, Tommy? Ah, I'm I'm kind of all over the place. Um, I lately I've been listening to um, um, fuck. Let me. I'm gonna pull my my Amazon music. Madonna. <laughs> Dude, I love Madonna. <laughs> She's got some jams. She's got some good jams there. Yeah, man. Like Madonna, George Michael, you know, Boy George, you know. The, I, came, the man, I, I, I came out to wow. some George Michael here, actually. We might even close the show with that. Oh, really? Yeah, I might even put that. I might even uh, put Careless Whisper on when we close here. Love That's hot, man. It is. It's actually very sexy. <laughs> very sexy. The women love it. Uh, men don't even realize it. You know, they're they're very uh, very unaware of of certain music that could definitely help them acquire what they'd like to take. If you know what I mean. Mm. <laughs> take it in. Take it. Take it in. I'm, yeah, it's weird. I've, you know, and why Tommy looks at his Amazon list, I want to throw I want to throw props out there to. Uh, my obsessions over the last uh, year, you know, throughout Majesty, um, Ritual House. So those are some good bands oh, I've been yeah. taking lately. I love that band. But that's so crazy that you guys are like touring around, playing shows. That sort of shit has to be very difficult, especially nowadays. Um, would, would you say that's a fair statement to make? Um, it's easier in some ways. You think right? it's easier? It's easier okay. in the aspect of like technology, right? Like when me and Mario first toured together the first time we the iphone wasn't even out so oh shit okay. uh, we didn't have gps we had a we had a map book of, of one destination to the other and so touring now with better vehicles and technology is better however what sucks about what we're doing is that like rock music punk rock uh rock and roll um just you know it's just not fucking popular right dude now. that that's and like the, the relics the, of the past for sure yeah it's weird though right because everything goes in waves um, right, right, you right. know i remember like what got me into music was that second wave of punk rock in the 90s you know where it's like offspring and rancid and face to face and shit like that but um right now i can't think of a time where just like punk rock bands because because zombies at its core it's kind of a punk rock band. I mean, if Mario and I were rooted in anything at one point, it was punk. It's a little, and, it's a little uh, horror we, punk, but I mean, I, I would have to say it's more a little punk rock at times there. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, so I just, you know, we're not exactly heavy enough to be considered a metal band. Right. And, but we're also not like just straight up punk enough to be called a punk rock band. So we're in this middle and um, just neither of those genres are just insanely popular right now. And so guitar-based music is just like it's a barren wasteland right now, kind of. Yeah, that's true. These sort of things do come in cycles. And right now what we're seeing in the music industry is an abundance of just purely rap music that has for sure taken over the uh, industry. And the record labels are, are hard at work of uh, monopolizing all these sort of things, making sure everything is, is definitely on some sort of a constant syndication uh, around uh, the globe, really playing this sort of music. And really, it comes down to how much money you have in your in your pockets. Uh, promotion is everything. And just like we, I was talking to my first guest about uh, Tom DeLong and his interest with ufology, uh, the fact that, you know, he's kind of like a pretty famous guy and he's got plenty of uh, money in the bank. I'm sure that's like a lucrative offer to anyone who wants to push their cause. Am I correct on that, boys? 
Yeah, for sure. Got and, the money. Um, when you I got think the money. all the money he made in Blink. Word. Uh, 100% helps him. So. That's got to help, man. No matter how you feel about Blink-182, which I think they stink on ice, but they got that paper, though. <laughs> you know, I used to yeah. like him when, you know, I was younger, and then I'm older now, and... <laughs> You're just like, great. No, 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 but I, I'll joke aside. They're, they're okay. Oh, look who's, look, look who's afraid of Tom DeLonge. <laughs> hey, man, I don't want fucking aliens. <laughs> I don't want fucking aliens. In the I think Mario is the only one in this band who hasn't had, like, an embarrassing era of music. Um, I was like a 90s kid, um, so I definitely had some skeletons in my musical closet that I've read and not discussed. <laughs> you, got, you, got, you got some Shania Twain back there, huh? Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and this was Shania not- Twain, but, but a shout out to my brother, my brother, the, uh, the elusive J.D. Smith. Um, my, my older brother, he, uh, he directed one of our music videos and fucking killed it. Like, fucking killed it. He nice. did such a good job. But he had like a stack of like, R.E.M. He had Madonna's bedtime stories. That's not and bad. He had fucking Ace of Base. R.E.M. <laughs> is pretty good. R- R.E.M. is pretty good though. They have the lyrics. They have the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they definitely have some good lyrics. But, but man, if there was like, if if, if I think of one band when I hear the word college rock, it is 100 percent R.E.M. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't blame you for that one. Um, but you know, some people even liked Hanson for God's sakes, Jesus. They're why I cut my hair as a kid. I had long blonde hair as a kid, like <laughs> Kurt Cobain. I was about 12, 13. And, and oh. fucking, there it is, summer of 95, and Umbop hits the radio wave. And then everybody's like, hey, you look like the kid in Hanson. I was just like, fuck you. And oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Hanson, wow. I can't even believe, yeah, dude, you know, I can't even, be- I'm waiting for the time where one of them from, from Hanson actually dies. So we could hear like the fake, <laughs> the fake pretentious musicians out there to, to say, Oh, Hanson, they were my favorite band. They were so great. They're so talented. Oh, Taylor Hanson. He was, he was such a, such a beautiful soul and amazing guitar player. I mean, he will be fucking missed. Don't, don't you hate that though? Don't, don't you think that's so fucking hack? When you hear other musicians out there, once someone dies, uh, they'll, they'll go up there and they'll say some like real pretentious shit. Don't you think that's kind of hack? Yeah. Well, you know, other musicians are using that opportunity to get like a quote from one style. Word. They want to put themselves over. Yeah. They're, they're saying those things to, you know, put themselves over in a very low key sort of way. Yeah, for sure. That's dirty. <laughs> yeah. Very dirty. Yeah. I mean, the dirty and the the good kind, or well, I mean, you know, <laughs> there's greasy and then there's dirty. You know, you kind of you kind of like the greasy stuff, but once it gets kind of dirty, that's when you know, you know, you got to pull it back. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> got to pull it back. Yeah, I got to pull out. I mean, pull it back. Yeah, like you know, like Chester, he should have pulled it back, but he didn't do that. Oh, too soon, man. Poor Chester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. You know, again, depression, it's one of those things where I, I, I would at least burn through every single dollar I had first before I called it a day. You know, who knows? Maybe you get really into like fucking, I don't know, bowling or something, and then you have a new path in life. I just look at Robin Williams, though. Yeah, that's a yeah. dark one, right? Yeah, that man. Dark. That's a really odd one. Yeah. I didn't expect that. Didn't yeah. expect that at all. Poor guy. He seemed like a good soul, uh, but obviously he was quite troubled. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, I think when you're just ready to peace on out, you're ready to peace on out, I guess. Right. Uh, lots of um, weird ones, just like uh, Anthony Bourdain, which is another guy who I never really watched his show or, or cared too much about him. Uh, but his listeners sure did 
uh, care about the guy for uh, whatever reason, but that's a name that I, I can't well, escape. Well, that's one where you can, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's, that's one okay. where you can go wild with the conspiracy theories there. Like, you you know the story behind that one, right? I do, but then again, I'm naturally a skeptic about everything, really. You know, I question everything by default and kind of always have since I was a child. That That wasn't something that uh, was instilled in me at any age, but I was always thinking, like... What's the motive behind this? And for some reason, I'm not sure where that came in my mind, but that shit's been with me since like the seventh grade where I seriously question well, everyone's yeah. motives. What? Oh, yeah, but I'm just saying I, I'm just a very um, skeptical type of individual uh, naturally. And in his case, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe he was just facing all sorts of weird issues. Uh, you know, the girlfriend was also maybe a, a pretty bad influence. And you know, you know what they say about those kind of women? You know, when you're a famous guy and you have these sort of uh, women that latch on to you, sometimes, you know, they could sort of drag you into a sort of direction that you probably shouldn't have gone down to begin with. And it sounds like she did because I the, think the so, dude. I think so. That she was the prominent leader in the Me Too movement, which has been uh, a pretty important movement in terms of like, um, you know, like standing up for women, which is always important, and it's definitely cleaned up like all the shittiness of Hollywood and the quote, on, the quote unquote casting couch. Right. Um, but she was a big front runner for that movement, and then it comes out that you know she had sex with this um, underage actor. Under, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he paid the kid. He paid the kid off when. Um, he was threatening to like uh, blackmail her for money, and uh, so supposedly the theory is, is that Anthony Bourdain knew that it was going to come out that he, paid, he was the one who paid this kid off. Oh my uh, god! To keep him quiet, and and he hung himself. Jesus! And yeah, by the way, though, I think what was he like seventeen? Yeah, seventeen or something like that. Something and, like you know, that. it's kind of undeniable at this point. I feel like because there's photos of them in bed, and I think they're. I think they're shirtless or something. Yeah, and yeah, they're, yeah. They're kissing. So it's a, Oof. it is a fucking weird, dark, dark story. Yeah, that could, that could lead anyone to almost want to kill themselves, especially if you already have like these mental sort of uh, issues going on with you, and you're into this woman, and you're thinking like you're going to spend the rest of your life with her, and she's kind of hot, and you know you're, you think you're in the clear, you think your life's going to be so great, and then you, it turns out that she's banging like a younger dude. So that's got to like fuck you up, right? I mean, I think I think the issue there is I think he could probably understand, maybe not somebody underage. I think he could probably understand her hooking up with you know, whatever. I wouldn't be surprised if that dude's like semi or he was polyamorous or whatever. But I think he, for him, he just really feared more the blowback of silencing, um, uh, you know, a victim in the wake of that movement, even though it wasn't a woman, it was a, it was a, it was a young man. Um, I just think that he knew what type of social media and public lynching was coming for him. The outlash. If that turned out to be true and got out. Right, right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're probably right about that. The whole... Um, repercussions of, of his actions for sure would have been something that would have haunted the man. It's not like he wasn't self-aware, but also I looked up a, an article just now and it says that uh, both him and his wife or whatever, uh, they cheated on each other and it wasn't exactly a problem. So uh, I guess we could go on with that and think we could rule that out that he didn't kill himself over the whole cheating thing after all. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it was just uh, for him. I just think he knew that 
um, if that secret came out or when it did not, if, when, when it came out, I think he just knew that his career was maybe going to be over with. And rather than build the wall back, he just said, see him another life. And Tommy, well, how do you feel about this, Tommy? We need, we need you to chime in now. Ah, no comments, man. No comments? <laughs> no, it's, no comment, man. I think, um, just some cold shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough topic for me to um, for sure. talk about. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, what? it's not easy. It's 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 a dark yeah. thing, and lots of individuals out there do contemplate killing themselves for whatever reason. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's not the answer, though, you know, boys and girls. The sun it is will not shine. The, answer, man. the yeah. sun will shine on you tomorrow, boys and girls. Think about Agreed. that. It is a temporary situation. Hundred percent. You'll be fine. Don't worry. I gotta tell you, man. I had the worst fucking day ever yesterday, and I, I don't, I don't want to get too much into detail because it's related to something in my personal life. Did nude photos know. of you leak online? <laughs> well, I mean, I will be, I will be fucking proud about that. <laughs> Go ahead, tell us, but, uh, Tommy. Go ahead. No, no. Um, I, I just don't know if anyone's listening from from people that know me, so I don't want to. I don't want to say too. Do you want to burn any bridges? Well, how dare you? You should. Well, it, it, it's in regards to you know. Um, I really can't talk about it. I, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but basically, uh, it was to the point where you know I I felt very uncomfortable in the space that I was and the people that I was surrounded with, and you know I, I was very very depressed, and you know um, it it was really rough for me to you know even be out, and you know I went out with these guys, and you know that kind of helped me out a little bit. But at the end of the day, you know, like you kind of just like slip it off. And I, I even told Jared, I'm like, hey, like I, I feel like fucking having a drink, you know, and who knows where that drink could have led. You know, it could have led to me, you know, you know, throwing myself out of the balcony, you know, or something Damn, like that. Damn, that, that's extreme. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, it was pretty dark, man. But, you know, then today, today was a new day and, you know, I started all over again and I'm fine now, you know. So I think it's more about how you handle the situation and how, how do you, how much are you in control of yourself? And I think a lot of people need that extra help. Um, and going back to what I was saying before, you know, um, it always helps to have those friends or family yeah. around you for sure. No, I agree with you on that one for sure. You definitely need uh, a couple friends to really uh, help you get through some uh, situations that could be hard for you to handle on your own, especially on your mental health. It is good to have someone to talk to for sure. And the reason why I said uh, the thing about your nudes being leaked is because <laughs> <laughs> earlier this week, um, uh, this um, woman, this actress uh, by the name of Demi Lovato, uh, her nudes were leaked just recently. Uh, apparently, they were like the Snapchat uh, photos that she must have sent on, uh, sent out to someone, to uh, some lucky guy, I guess. And the hackers basically compromised her uh, Snapchat account and actually obtained these photographs, and they've been leaked online. So that's the reason why I brought her. Oh, well, I brought up the whole uh, leak nude things. And I'm, have you seen? Do you know this woman? Demi Lovato. She's like a Disney star actress, and she's pretty hot. Let's look her up right now. Yeah, go but, ahead. You know, that's – and that's the thing, man. Like, I I feel like people should know better and should know already beforehand the consequences when you're sending a picture, you know? Big like, time. There's always there's always that risk that someone's going to get a hold of that picture and – 
it's going to be out there forever. Somebody like so, Tommy. <laughs> somebody, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, funny story. Uh, every time I, you know, I gotta, I gotta show the the guys like like a like screenshot or a picture. Like there's a there's an album with a with a nude. <laughs> you know, it always pops out. I don't know where I'm like, oh shit, sorry guys. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this this chick is pretty hot, man. Yeah, for those in the uh, chat room now, I do have a photo a photograph of her right there, and as you can tell by your own very your very own eyes. She is a very quite lovely young lady, no doubt. Yeah, no, wouldn't kick her out of bed for sure. She is hot, and um, there's a oh, wrong uh, photograph there, boys and girls. I didn't didn't mean to put that one up there of Norio Hayakawa. Yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. If you were expecting a, a good looking woman, and oh then you God. see you see an older uh, man there with gray hair, I apologize. Didn't mean to put that one up, but I did mean to um, uh, put this photograph up here and. Good Lord, why can I not put this photograph up now all of a sudden? I think I think it's uh, rejecting this photograph of her. Oh, never mind. Now it's up. There we go. A bit of uh, areola there displaying. Uh, hopefully that doesn't get me kicked off of YouTube, but it's mostly uh, displayed there. If you can the good see. news for Tommy is, is that the only person who's going to leak Tommy's nudes is Tommy himself. <laughs> Tommy, are you going to leak your own nudes? Maybe. Maybe, Okay. Well, that's a good answer there. You never know, right? Never know. But gentlemen, but I, I hate to do this, but we, we definitely are running out of time here. And I apologize for that. I wish I could talk to you guys longer. I feel like I could talk to all of you guys for another hour here. Oh, yeah. But it's been fun and definitely want to do this again. And before I, I let you guys go, I feel like all of you guys should have your final say. Uh, Tommy, if you are alive with us here. Uh, Tommy, go ahead and, and say your final words. Sorry, my apologies. I had my my microphone muted, and it's okay because Jared was next to me, so I didn't we didn't want any microphone bleed. But um, ah, first of all, uh, I just gotta thank you, man. Uh, thank you so much for uh, having me, having the guys. Like it, you know, you you've been a great help, and it's it's great to be on your show. So thank you, thank you so much, man. Hopefully, we can we can do this again soon, man. Um, I think. If you want to do it again, I think uh, after the tour will be a great time to do it. And we can tell you all the stories and spill the beans, my brother. I would love that. And (laughs) yeah, man, I appreciate that greatly. And Mario, if you are alive and and not feeling so shy, give us your final words here, buddy. Uh, Well, thank you for having us on your show and uh, come out and see you. Hell yes. Love that. And and now, Jared, go ahead. The the stage is yours, my friend. Scream in your face. Thank you. Um, no, I just want to say uh, I, I want to do a little thank you. Um, I want to say thank you to Argyle and Damnation for taking us out um, on these shows. These guys definitely didn't have to do that. Um, they made uh, it, you know, and that goes to Tommy too, by the way. Um, so again, thank you to Argyle, Damnation, Tommy. Tommy worked like a motherfucker to add us to these shows like last minute. So um, I'm entirely grateful. Um, and then my final thank you is to everybody, anybody who's listening, who likes the band, just anybody who still gives a shit. We were gone for a long time. We were gone for 10 years. And in that time, we, you know, marriages and mortgages happened. Some of us had kids, um, you know, and so for anybody to still give a shit, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked and grateful for. So we have a new album coming. It's, it's heavy as fuck. It's going to be good. It's just, uh, we're, we've hit a few setbacks this year, but 2020 is going to be the year of zombies. Love that. 
Very cool. Very cool. And uh, once again, I do want to thank you guys for being a part of the program, and we will definitely do this again in the very near future, boys. Hell yeah. Thank right you. Man. I'll try to come hey, out there. Thanks by a the lot, way. man. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, I'll, I'll try do. to go out there, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I plug a last thing real quick? Go ahead, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. So just again, uh, our tour coming up, the Autumn Rights. Uh, it starts on October 30th at the Rebel Lounge, and it goes all the way through November 4th. Uh, zombies will be only be on the dates for the 30th, 31st, 1st, and the 2nd. Um, so hopefully you, you guys can come out, and you can come out. So yeah, just hit me up. Uh, and we'll, we'll get you some tickets, my friend. Really appreciate that. And once again, thank you guys for being a part of the program. And I look forward to, for all this, man. I look forward to talking to you guys again. Oh, yeah. Thank, thank you. you so much. All right, boys. Thank you so much. And have a good night wherever you guys are. You all, right, too. all right, guys. Hey, take, you too, man. Take care, buddy. All right, bye. Cheers. And there they go, boys and girls. That was Mr. T. London. That's Tommy London. And of course, Jared and Mario from the band Zombeast. I also want to thank all of you out there for being a part of the program. I want to thank Mr. Michael Horn for giving us a call. And of course, Mr. Norio Hayakawa. Wasn't that amazing? It, it truly was. And of course, as we take it home here tonight, definitely want to thank all the international listeners out there. And I want to thank those at the Fringe FM and of course, Deprogrammed Radio. It's been fun. It really, really has. And of course, of course, I'll be back next week with perhaps maybe James Fetzer. I believe he is next on the list. So we'll be going there, exploring whatever troubles have been plaguing Mr. James Fetzer. And there's been a lot. Oh, yeah. My goodness. And once again, there is a donation button right hand side of your screen over at MichaelDeacon.com. And of course, if you want extra bonus content, please go to Patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. Right there, you'll find the bonus content. And uh, trust me, it's worth it. Stay safe, everyone. No matter where you are on this island earth, be safe. I'm Michael Deacon. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place. And life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody.